What's up? Jason Tatum here. Ball up wherever you are with NBA 2K Mobile. Playing game events to collect NBA legends and rising stars to assemble your dream team and settle things on the court. Download NBA 2K Mobile now on the App Store and Google Play. Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of the PSI Podcast. My name is Joel Moran and I'm here with Ronnie Castaneda and John Carlos. And this is now Sir. episode 88. In this episode, we will talk about the Miami Heat getting swept. If the Celtics should trade Jalen Brown, reacting to Jason Tatum's top five players list, who the Nets' biggest liability is, and if Julius Randle deserves a max. Then we will debate Trey Young versus Devin Booker, AD's <laughs> injury, the Clippers tying the series 2-2 versus the Mavs, and if the Pelicans should fire Stan Van Gundy. So let's get right into it, mm-hmm. right? Because we had... Over the course of these playoffs, there have been a lot of interesting series. And I'll be honest, it's kind of hard to do podcasts during this time because if we talk about game five or game six or whatever, we release the podcast tomorrow, the game has already been played. Uh So instead of that, we have to, you know, come up with different and more interesting topics. And I think the topic that's circulating right now is one that's about the Miami Heat because we know they just got swept versus the Bucks 4-0. And everybody is wondering whether the Heat are bubble frauds, if they were bubble frauds, if they were a product of that bubble of not playing in front of fans. So just to start off with you, JC, I'll ask, do you think the Heat were bubble frauds? Uh, Given what I've seen from Miami this postseason with all the fans back and everybody back and Milwaukee getting better, um, I don't, I mean, what they did last year was phenomenal. But then again, you when you hear NBA players like Jason Tatum and all these other guys saying like, "Well, he doesn't play like that. He he's shooting lights out here. He, he he's like he's becoming a superstar right before our eyes." Like someone like T.J. Warren, good player, good scorer, but on but on any given night in the bubble, he was dropping like 30, 35 points per game. So um, I, I do believe that the bubble did help because number one, you're not playing in front of any fans, and I for one, I didn't I underestimated how much that really means because. My team, like the Nets, they're the number two seed. I wish they would have got the one seed so we can get home court advantage. You know, we have all our fans. So I, I believe that that not having fans made it seem almost like a pickup game. So, and on top of that, you got other players saying that the gym felt like a shooter's gym. And I mean, just by the numbers, if you look at the offensive numbers in the bubble, everybody's offensive numbers went went up crazy. So um, I think it's a mixture of both, but I'm going to lean more towards yes, that the bubble did help them because when you have players playing out of their mind any given night like tj warren or like jamal murray emerged into a superstar in a bubble and then when you see them this season what 21 points per game you know i was expecting more because the bubble what i saw from him in the bubble i'm like wow like he's doing against this against the lakers against good defenses i would like to see this for the whole season but that wasn't the case so i'm gonna say miami heat were bubble frauds because uh (laughs) i remember everybody was calling them like they had a little cinderella run and you play the same team you played last year. Granted, they have Drew Holiday, but this time you get swept and you just look like a shell of yourself from there. So I'm going to lean more towards, yeah, like that That was the bubble definitely did help them. And how about you, Ronnie? See, <clears throat> I'm a little, I'm like conflicted, right? Because like, yeah, we could talk about, oh, Miami's a bubble fraud, but that means every other team got to be a bubble fraud too then. Like, all right, you want to give, you know, Mickey Mouse ring to the Lakers? All right, cool. That's whatever. But what stood out to me from Miami was that they were the only team in the East to not like add anything in the off season. 
Very true. So the Bucks got Drew Holiday. Mm-hmm. Philly, I mean, Philly got Seth Curry and Danny Green, right? Mm-hmm. All right, so two shooters to help him out. Yeah. Brooklyn, I mean, they were getting KD back, and then midseason they got James Harden. And the Bucks, they got uh, P.J. Tucker halfway through the season. Mm-hmm. That was Mi- huge. Miami didn't, Miami didn't help themselves, you know? So it's like, mm-hmm. all right, yeah, you went to the finals last year. You got the same team, but all the other teams that you beat last season got better. Yeah. So it's like, what are you going to do? Mm-hmm. Like, So I think that's like... I, that was it, bro. Miami didn't want to help themselves. And yeah, all right, Victor Oladipo. Yeah, that's cool and all, but like he got hurt. He got hurt. And so, what are you gonna do? I love Jimmy Butler. I think he can be, you know, the best player like on a championship team. I so believe that because he's so like dynamic, uh, offensively and defensively. But like, bro, Miami didn't help themselves. Like they just shot themselves in the foot, not adding anyone to a finals, you know, team. Yeah. And you're right, and and they lost Jay Crowder. I was just about to say who's that. been big. huge for yeah. Phoenix this season, even yeah. though he's been off in the playoffs. And as soon as they traded Kelly Olynyk, he turns into Dirk Nowitzki with the <laughs> Houston Rockets, and he's going crazy. And Oladipo, he, that was their big splash move. Of course, you know the the reason why I think it's so it's so fun to pick on the Heat right now mm-hmm. is because one, they're down. Yeah. Two is that they were talking. They're fans. They were talking <laughs> a lot of smack in the off season. <laughs> I mean, not only towards other fan bases, but they also were overhyping their own players and overvaluing them. Like Tyler Hero and Duncan Robinson, I call them the yeah. Barnacle Boys. They didn't, <laughs> they didn't want to trade the Barnacle Boys for James Harden, Mister Fear the Beard, who's in Brooklyn right now, who's yeah. a pillar part, going crazy, up. had 18 assists the other night. Thank you, Miami. And they did not want to <laughs> trade for James Harden because they felt Tyler Hero was too much of an important piece, and. That that's my only knock with the Heat and what they were doing. But even when like you look at their record this year and last year in their seeding, this year they finished as the sixth seed, I believe. Yes. Uh, yeah. Last year they finished as the fifth seed. Mm-hmm. But I'll be honest, last year they played a beautiful brand of basketball. Mm-hmm. Like watching Miami felt like a treat to watch. It felt like watching a Spurs team, yeah. the way they passed the ball. But this year they went, they they were the 25th ranked offense. Last year they were the 15th ranked offense. And I'm not sure. I think they kind of figured out kind of Bam a little bit more on how to yeah, guard yeah. him. Bam fell off. Yeah. And, and I think that's what kind of, you know, led to the Heat's downfall. But all in all, you know, the team this year felt much different. Like last Definitely. year, last year I picked the Heat to beat the Bucks in the playoffs. And at that time, that was kind of a hot take. And the reason I did was because the Heat felt really special last year. Mm-hmm. So to answer the question, I don't think they were bubble frauds. You know, I think okay. that you could say they were, and I wouldn't disagree. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. at the same time, I think that last year's team was just so much different. And it just felt a little bit different. This year, Miami feels stale. And that Heat culture, everybody loves to praise. It wasn't there. <laughs> no, it really it wasn't. wasn't there. Nah, the Heat bro. culture, they don't get swept by, by, by Milwaukee. I mean... You know, they could have at least won a game if they yeah. really have that type. That's I mean, they culture. almost did. They did. I'm gonna be honest. I think them losing that game, which was out of the rest of the games, that was the only winnable game they could have won. And you know, they blew it. Jimmy Butler had a bad game. And once you go down, once you lose like that, once you try your hardest, you play. You play a bad game. And you only lose by two points yeah. on a game that you should have won. I think that game demoralized them as a team because yeah. that was the closest game of the series. It was a two point game. I think it went down to like a, a missed game winner, went into overtime and everything, if I'm not mistaken. And it's like a game like that, I think had Miami won that game, the series would have been completely different. But them losing that game, 
and then getting blown out the rest of the way, I just felt like that one game just demoralized them as as just a whole unit. They didn't look the same after that. Like, I don't know how you guys felt. Like, I felt like game one, like, kind of took their hearts out. I mean, not to mention, they were going up against a team that probably has the biggest chip on their shoulder. Definitely. They wanted that matchup. For real. So, I mean, like, after game one, I think while it demoralized Miami, mm-hmm. I think that, like, like pumped some stuff into Milwaukee. Definitely. Like, yo, like, we got to step up. We are not about to be first-round exits, like, yeah. against a team that beat us in the bubble. So, I, th- I think that was, like, the major, it, it, major it, phase. It, it was huge because, like, it was almost like, like a legacy game in the way for, like, Giannis and Coach Budenholzer, like, mm-hmm. If you you know if he loses that series he's gone yeah, like he's out and if Giannis loses that again that's going to be demoralizing to his career because you got Drew Holiday you got Chris Middleton you acquired PJ Tucker who he loves who's a very very Brent good Forbes defender too. Brent Forbes, Brent Forbes. like you had oh, yeah. like you Bobby had the Portis. team Bobby Portis he's been great huge. off the bench like so in 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 more ways than not I felt like Milwaukee was like for lack of better a term just more hungry this year you know. You lost to this team in five games. And last year, I was on a podcast, and I, and I thought Milwaukee was going to win in five. <laughs> but it was the other way around. So I, I just felt like Milwaukee having their backs against the wall, them wanting this matchup, and this being a legacy and a job and, and a coaching job on the line just helped them. Yeah, and, for you know, they got the job done. They got them out of there in four. Now they're waiting for the winner of, I mean, we know who's going to win, Brooklyn. <laughs> now they're waiting for Brooklyn. They got more rest, and they're ready. This is a good team. Yeah, oh. and, you know, as great as the as great as great the Bucks were and as bad as the Heat were, I think, you know, it was more about Milwaukee just being that great of a team because of all the acquisitions they made, it allowed Giannis to play differently yep. and for Mike Budenholzer to game plan differently for the Heat. Mm-hmm. And I feel like their offseason additions get very slept on. And, you know, Definitely. we were talking about it the other day, and before the pod started, you guys are, uh, were both talking about how you worried about Milwaukee, yeah, rightfully yeah. so. Because Milwaukee is going to be a tough matchup. Very tough. Not only can they <laughs> score with the Nets, but they can defend with them too. Well, they can defend, defend better way than better. us. Yeah, no, way better, bro. Yeah, they can <laughs> defend way better. And since DiFincenzo's not there, we'll see who starts and plays for him. I think probably Connaughton will because of his yeah. defense. Pat Connaughton, yeah. But, you know, that's the thing, man. I think the Bucks were just a great team this year. Definitely. And that's why that's what happened to the Heat. So maybe you can call them bubble frauds. I think last year was a little bit of a magical run. I mean, Jimmy Butler played out of his mind, Tyler Hero for a rookie was like next level amazing. Yeah. You don't expect that from a rookie. Yeah. And then these playoffs, and then Duncan totally Robinson couldn't off. miss. Yeah. Yeah. And also then, that's another thing. Like Duncan Robinson was a brand new contributor to that Heat team uh-huh. last year. And now teams had the chance to look at film and figure him out yeah. and how to play against him. Yeah. And that definitely, you know, went against what the Heat were trying to do. And then Kendrick Nunn fell off too. Yeah, Kendrick I mean, Nunn fell in, off last year. Yeah. Like he, he mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean Huh. I, I don't know if it was just, I mean, I, I agree with you guys in the sense that their team definitely got difference. They didn't add anybody while everybody got better. But it, do, it also doesn't help that Tyler Hero coming off a rookie of the year caliber year, yeah. stepping up in the postseason, he takes a step back. Duncan Robinson's they figure him out. And they have like a, a point guard problem. Like Kendrick Nunn's supposed to, like he, he came on the scene last year, was a good player, fell off towards the, towards in the bubble. So they had a lot going against them, and then like I like like we all agreed, them losing Jay Crowder, another front line defender who can you know space the floor and defend well. It just, I wish I I wish I would have seen it coming, but I just thought this Miami team would have just given a better effort just off what they did in the, in the bubble last year. But you know that and wasn't the, heat, the case. The Heat they faced the Celtics last year in the Eastern Conference Finals. Yeah. And Kemba in that series didn't play up to his potential. And I know that Kemba Walker is a guy who not many people are talking about, but I think we should talk about him because 
he's a guy who not too long ago was put in top five point guards list. Yeah. Was put, you know, as one of those guys who once he gets out of a situation in Charlotte, he's going to really thrive. And he hasn't been that same Kemba since he's been to Boston. I mean, this series against the, the Brooklyn Nets, he's averaging, <laughs> I think, like, oh, my gosh, I want to get the numbers right here. I think he might be averaging like 12 points per game yeah. against this uh, against his Nets team in the playoffs. Oh, no, he's averaging 12.7 points per game, shooting 32% from the field and 17% from three Jeez. versus the Nets in these playoffs. Oh and nobody gosh. expected this out of Kemba, especially with Jalen Brown being out and him having to step up yeah. against a team in the Nets who's not a very good defensive team. So simple question, what the hell happened to Kemba Walker? Like, Why, is it, why does his career seem to be going down the drain and it's it's not the same anymore. He's not that same Kemba. He's not the Kemba that the Celtics thought they were signing. We, we gotta look at that injury he's had too. Yeah, I agree. That that knee injury. I think at this point in his career, given all the in, or well, just this injury, you know, in particular, I think this is that's like the injury, you know, where we get, we're gonna see the, the aggression in his game. You know, everyone knows the patented step back and you know how quick he was off his dribble. He loses that step now. Like, yeah, he still has, you know, the talent to finish around the basket and, you know, to, uh, you know, get the three ball in. But like now you lose a step in that. And I think him having to adjust to that as well. But also, I don't think Boston is like the best fit for Kemba. Yeah, I, I know. Joel, we were talking about it. When you have guys like Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown on the wings, I think you need more of like a playmaking passing kind of point guard. Definitely. Like, you can't have, like, three scores up top and then have, you know, wing guys there. Like, that's what happened to Brooklyn. James Harden comes in. He was able to, you know, add on to his passing game, and that's why Kyrie Irving started going off, Kevin Durant, uh, Joe Harris, and guys like that. But for Boston, I feel like Kemba's only game is, like, that scoring. Like, he has to be, like, close to, like, that number one guy or he has to be, like, the number one scoring option for him to, like, truly succeed. Yeah. Can he go back to that now? I don't know. He might have to, you know, get a change of scenery. But, I mean, that that's at least my take on it. Yeah, I mean, I agree with that. I think that most of it has been his injuries because especially being a smaller player, he's listed at 6'1", 6 foot, I believe. But I've seen interviews where guys talk about his real height and it's like 5'10", 5'11". <laughs> and that's what his real height is. And as a smaller player... When you have those injuries where you when you lose some of your quickness, you know, it really hurts you as a player. And I can attest to that because when I was in high school, I used to be very quick. Then I gained a bunch of weight. I didn't have any injuries, but I gained a bunch of weight. Now I'm not quick. Now I can't beat somebody with my first step. And Kemba coming off knee injury, he can't beat people with his yeah. first step anymore. Yeah. And that was his biggest the biggest part of his game, you know, of course he can get a shot off. He's not that bad of a three point shooter, but the biggest part of his game was driving to the basket, getting contact, finishing around the basket, and, and letting that open up his game. Mm -hmm. And now that he can't yeah. drive efficiently like that, it's hard. I mean, I was looking at his injury history, and before 2017, he had nothing, like no injuries at all. Yeah. Yeah. 2017, sore shoulder. Then from this is 2019 to now, neck, neck, illness, knee, 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 rest, knee, wow. left knee, rest, 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 illness, knee injury management, um, injury management, neck, knee, knee, and God damn, like, there's a lot of knee stuff. So <laughs> neck and knee stuff is uh what he's getting right now, and I think that's probably been the biggest thing that's, you know, been holding back his game. But even in Charlotte, you know, I kind of think right now realizing that he was 
a, a great score in a bad situation. Yeah. That once <laughs> once put on a real good situation is not going to look like that. Yeah. And I think that's the same thing that can be said for Bradley Beal now in Washington. Like once you put him on that team where he's like the second, third option, he's going to go back to 25, 22 <laughs> points per game. At least that's my take on it. But I think that's what happened in the Kemba right now. And last year, it's where it started. I mean, he played 51 minutes in game six versus Toronto and scored five points in that game. <laughs> but even his playoff failures, you know, it, it's been there. And in Charlotte, he was in a playoff series and he shot 36% from the field and 32% from three. Some players just can't perform in the playoffs. And I think that's probably what Kemba is right now. I mean, I, I agree with what both of you said. I agree towards the fact that, you know, the injury definitely slowed him down. But I saw that last year, and it's kind of hard. Like, if you put yourself in Kemba Walker's shoes, every night you're the guy on the Charlotte team, 25 points per game, getting your shot. And then you you come to Boston expected. I know when he came to Boston, he was expected to be the best player. But Jason Tatum took that leap, overlapped him. Then Jalen Brown took that, seat, uh, that uh, leap and overlapped him. So you got to put yourself in Kemba's shoes. You're coming in to be the best player. You're replacing Kyrie Irving, mm-hmm. who... When they when he was in Boston, people were saying he was better than Kyrie Irving, which I I never thought he was better than Kyrie Irving. People said that. No, definitely. Yeah. People, definitely yeah. I don't even remember. Definitely. That, and if not being better, that he was a better fit. And my my whole thing was because of leadership. I think my yeah. my whole thing was like Kyrie when he was there got onto his number one seed one year, got hurt in the playoffs, and then the year before that, the year before he left, four seed, one in the first round. Milwaukee series was bad, but just it's just the emergence of Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. Like Kemba Walker knows, like okay. You know, these guys are obviously better than me at getting my shot. They're just better players than me. Jason Tatum's looking like he's like emerging into a superstar. Jalen yeah. Brown this year stepped up crazy. And think about it. You you're just you have a ling- a lingering knee injury. Then you have to get you have to get uh put back into the lineup where Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are getting their own, they're cooking, they're doing their thing, and then you have to try to maneuver your way into the into the system and try to make yourself fit. And you know, as a third option, I, I just I don't see Kemba Walker gelling with them. I, I, you know, I feel like, like you said, Boston needs a playmaker, but Kemba's not that. Kemba's more of a score first type of player. So at this point in his career with those with that uh, knee injury, with all those the injury history since 2017, it's going to be a hard place for him to find. And um, it's just he's just not that playmaker that Boston needs. You don't need another score. You don't you, you, you have Jason Tatum averaging 27. You have Jalen Brown averaging 25. You got a bunch of talented, like good role players, Ron. We don't need you to go out and get us twenty five. We need you to distribute the ball, shoot and score when you can. But we need the offense ran through our two wings. And he just he's not a he's not a traditional playmaker. He's more of a score first guard. So I just think it's a mixture of injury, fit, and him not knowing him having to be relegated to a third option. Now. It's like an identity crisis. Yeah, it really is. And not only that, and I think I agree with everything you said, but not only that, but. Kemba's always been a volume score. Yeah. He's never been an efficient score. Yeah. So now that you're going from like 20 plus shots a game to 15, 13, yeah. if you don't make four of, if, if you only make four for, of those shots, that's four for 13. Yeah. Like whereas like, night. whereas like if you take 20 shots now, let's say you make five in a row. Now you're nine for 20, yeah. which is like kind of where he's around like 44% for his career. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't look as bad, but now that he's not getting that many shots, his field goal percentage is going to look much worse. But I think in these playoffs, it's, it's a little bit different because he is asked to be that second option. He is. Next to Tatum, and he's, and he's not producing. Yeah, yeah. You see, and, and that's my whole thing. When Jalen Brown was in the lineup, he was the third option. Now the playoffs come, you're going to play a team in Brooklyn. No, nah, Kemba, we need you to be the second yeah. option now. 
You know, it's like there, there's no he, he's not he doesn't he doesn't have a defined role. His defined role is supposed to be the third option now. But now you're going to push him to the second option because Jalen Brown got her. It's just it, it's it's not a good fit. Um, you know, I feel sorry for Kemba because he's, he's he's a he's a really good player, was a really good player. But it just doesn't seem like it's working out. And but, I think they should move on from him. If I'm being honest with you. Nah, nah, they should. Because here's the thing. Boston has gone to four out of the last five Eastern Conference finals. Haven't been it might to- be three. Or f- they made one with Tatum and Brown as a rookie. Yeah. yeah. They made one last year in the bubble, and they made one with Isaiah Thomas. Yep. So three out of the last five. Yes. Yeah, pretty right. much. So three. three out of the last five, but they haven't been able to get over the hump. I think yeah. if you give them, like, like a playmaking point guard, like someone who's, like, maybe not strictly passing, but someone who knows how to Like Alonzo Ball. Like, yeah, exactly. Like Alonzo Ball or something. I mean that. I think that's enough to put them over. I, I definitely think that they would. I definitely think that that would make their team better. Um, you know, you have somebody who's getting the wings involved or getting the big man involved. Like I think Robert Williams is a great piece too. Yeah. So you know, um, they're they're on the right path. They just need to get that point guard situation figured out. Um, I think it's pretty obvious Kemba Walker's not the answer for that. And look, he missed the last game, so the in, the injuries are still derailing him so i think it's time for i think it's time for him to get traded or do whatever danny h has to do to move him because it's just it's not it's not a match made i think match made. and and this is a segue to our next topic which is a perfect segue into it and we're going to talk about jalen brown and and the boston celtics right because (laughs) jalen brown is the second best player on the celtics no doubt about it he emerged this season averaging 24 points per game he looks like he's going to be a really good player but in my opinion i think that for one, I agree. They they need to get rid of Kemba. But Kemba right now is not worth anything. I'll be honest. No team that is trying to win is going to want to trade for Kemba. That's and facts. no no he and no losing team is is wants to give Kemba the keys because he's too old <laughs> yeah. at this point. Could I ask you just one one quick question? <laughs> if you're a Knicks fan, would you take Kemba? No, no, not even if you don't have like a good point guard on your roster. No, no? okay, no. just just nah, just a side question, so just no. a side question. Just want to know because I, I heard some Knicks fans talking about giving him an opportunity to be the even point guard because it's so bad. But w- whatever. Even when you he was on no, the trade so. market, they were like, "Oh yeah, we're gonna get Kemba too." Like, I mean, so when, you wouldn't we, take when him we, when we lost out on Kyrie and KD. Uh, that was a guy who was supposed to come to New York, Kemba. Yeah. And he didn't come, and I'm glad because I didn't want him at that time either. I really didn't. <laughs> and I, I'm glad that that front office didn't want him either because I think they're not going to want him now, especially after that. Yeah. It's going to be but hard to trade him. I think the only way for the Boston Celtics to get better from here on out, because, I mean, for one, they're paying Tatum the max. They're going to pay Easily. Brown a boatload of money. They're paying Campbell a boatload of money. His, his contract ends in two years. But... <laughs> They're not going to have enough cap space to really sign a great player. They're going to have to trade for that said great player or they're going to have to reduce salary on their team. And I think the way for them to improve going forward is by trading Jalen Brown. You know, I've mentioned two trade ideas, both with the Sacramento Kings, because I haven't thought about this too much, but it's both with the Sacramento Kings. First of all, I'm going to talk about why I think they should trade Jalen Brown. Through the history of the NBA, you have not seen two wing players that are primarily scorers mm-hmm. win a championship. People want to mention LeBron and D-Wade. LeBron is one of the best playmakers of all time. Yeah. Players. The closest thing, <laughs> the closest thing to that was Scotty and Jordan, but Scotty was a point forward. He could run the show, run the point. Brown to me is not that. Nah. Tatum to me is not that. Nah. You just give him the ball and you let him go to work. Yeah. You know, I think Tatum is more like a, a Carmelo Anthony, not in game style, but in terms of 
how you're going to use them on the floor. They're just going to, you're going to give it to them to get a bucket, but they're not going to be running the offense and playmaking and stuff like that. So for me, I don't think their game fits. And to be honest, isn't Tatum and Brown just a great value version of Kawhi and PG? Uh, I mean, I don't, I don't know about that. Cause I think Jason Tatum, you give him enough time. I don't, I don't know if he'll be way better than Kawhi, but I think he'll be like, to ever be even close to Kawhi, I, I think he has a potential for it. He, Young, he definitely. Has I don't. A I don't see it, that. He's only twenty two. To man. me, right now, he's, he's better than Paul George. He's twenty. Oh no, he's easy better than Paul he's George. He's better than. He's twenty three. He's twenty. Oh, twenty. Just turned twenty. I don't know why Celtics fans keep saying he's twenty. They've been doing that for like. I thought it was twenty two. I mean, right, well, he, he's better than Paul George though, right? Yeah. No, he is. No I mean, doubt. But, but I don't think Brown is better than Paul George. No. Nah. Uh. Well, I'm okay. I'll, I'll give you that. But PG is better. Yeah, PG is better. I'll give you that. But like. My my take on with Jalen Brown is like, if you give him like, I don't I don't even know because I like like I said I like what I said earlier and the fact that you know Jalen Brown and JT like you got two killers on the wings that's what Brooklyn's doing right now. You but know they what got I'm Harden, but I yeah but they got that playmaker that we've been talking together. about. That's but, but that's he's the also their second though. best player on the team. He. Maybe first to some like me. I, I feel like James Harden is the second best. No, nah, I, yeah, I, I was thinking about uh, this series right now because Kyrie had a slow start, kind of. But Kyrie's the up. best third option in the, in the NBA yeah, right in now. The NBA right now. So. Now, yeah, I agree, but you know, I think Brooklyn is a little bit of a weird case because too, they have superstar over, heavy, they, right? Yeah, they have overwhelming talent. Like I yeah. think Boston will never be that unless they draft some guy that's like an unknown gem. But, like, even, for example, Golden State, people mentioned that before. Golden State, Draymond was their playmaker. Steph yeah. can playmake, too. And so they have the playmakers. And then when they got KD, I mean, the talent was just overwhelmingly superior to everybody in the league yeah. that they won. So these are my trade ideas, both with the Kings. First one, trade Jalen Brown for De'Aaron Fox. So I think that's Straight like— Straight up? I think that's a—maybe— the Kings can offer like a, I don't really know, maybe just a, a whatever guy, and then you know the like Harry Giles, yeah, and then, and then the Celtics throw in like Aaron Neesmith or somebody. But for for the most part, it's gonna be a straight up trade: Jalen Brown for De'Aaron Fox. The second one is Jalen Brown and Marcus Smart. Trading Marcus Smart is gonna be big, but you know it's gonna be not a fan fave move. But who would whatever. you get? You get back Tyrese Halliburton, who's a who I think can be a true point guard, pass first guy, uh-huh. who can also shoot forty percent from the three and be a really knockdown good shooter. Mm-hmm. A very he's also a really good defender, and you get Buddy Heald, who can also shoot forty percent from three, space out that floor for Tatum, and you get Marvin Bagley, That's... who can be their big man. Maybe you can turn him into a defender. He has the length too. He just needs the motivation. Maybe yeah. in Boston playing winning basketball, he has that motivation to live up to that second overall pick because he hasn't been bad. He hasn't been Luka. He hasn't been Trey Young. He hasn't even been DeAndre yeah. Ayton. No, no, he hasn't. <laughs> he hasn't. But Marvin Bagley hasn't been bad as a he's defender a good, he has. He's a good player. He's, yeah, he's not that so, bad. But under the he's right guidance and situation, he can really flourish. He's been like a 14-8 and eight guy. So in Boston, being their big man, they could play small. He can be like maybe 16 and 10. And I think the starting lineup in Boston would be you got Tyree Talley-Burden, Buddy Heald, Jason Tatum, Marvin Bagley, and then Robert Williams starting at five. 
or maybe you know maybe Tristan Thompson. Yeah, maybe too. him too. So you could play <laughs> you could play like that, and I don't think that'd be too bad of a team. You got Halle Burton, who was a rookie, who is still going to get really better. You have Buddy Heald, who you know what he is, but he's exactly what you need in terms of space in the floor. He's what Evan Fournier is to them right now. Yeah, Buddy Heald is exactly what he is right now. And then the Kings, you get Fox, Brown, and now you can make something happen with those two, maybe, yeah, hopefully. That'd be good. I like that Fox trade a lot. I don't know why. I, I just feel like... I don't think Fox is the answer, bro. Nah, it's, it, it, it's, it's, not, it's not even about being... It's not even more so about being the answer. It's just... I just think Darren Fox for Jalen Brown, it's like... I, I mean, do you think Jalen Brown's that much better than Darren Fox? I think he... Uh, as a scorer, no. I think Fox is a better scorer. I do but too. all around player, I think Brown is better. Yeah, yeah. And I think he can help out their defense in Sacramento. It's just, it's just Darren Fox. I mean, for that, for the average fan, they don't really know how good he is. They I don't. think he's really good. Like he's really good. He's nice. probably the most explosive player in the league next to Russ. Yeah, he's definitely. very fast. I mean, he's not a bad shooter either. Not. He's gotten better at shooting. I, I like that trade. But then again, I like the Tyrese Holly Burn because you get a lot of young pieces too. So, I mean, if I'm Boston, I wouldn't be – I don't think that's that crazy of a trade. I think both of them could work out. Um, but me, I would try my best if I'm Danny Ainge to get a playmaker, to run it back with a true playmaker for two – for like two seasons, two, three seasons. See what you can get with a pure playmaker setting up Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum and all these young guys. And then if it doesn't work out, then you go into that direction because Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum are going to be entering their primes and they're still going to be young. So yeah. I think it's a little too early to trade, but I just think that we have to, I think Danny Ainge has to build a perfect roster and a good point guard that can surround his two wings that are really talented. Like I like, think Rubio would be the perfect point guard. Rubio would be that. good. Someone like Rubio too. You set him a good defender, can set him up, great passer. He's not going to take a lot of shots like Kemba, high IQ. Plays hard. I mean, I think I think that would be good too. But I think you have to get that point guard who's a who's a pass first point guard for it to work out. Even like, even like I think a Kyle Lowry would benefit them a lot. Kyle Lowry's a really good playmaker. Like, he's, what about Jalen Brown for Bradley Beal or Carl Anthony Towns? One of those. I think that's pretty good too. I don't know if Minnesota would do it just because they have a lot of wings or not a lot of wings, but or, they have Edwards. How about how about what if you get? Because I know like. Minnesota's dreaming a number one overall right now. They're dreaming of Cade Cunningham, which means D'Lo going to be on the chopping block. But that pick belongs to Golden State. Ah, oh, that's right. Unless it falls within like some certain number. But Kyle Lowry is a free agent, right? Next year. Yes. After he this is. season, yeah, if you were is. Boston, would you give him? Would you give him a try? I would sign him, but I don't think they they don't have the cap to do it. They don't. Nah. Yeah, I, f- I feel like that would be a good one too. You get Kyle Lowry, who who's like. At the start of his Toronto career, he was known more for scoring, and now he's averaging, what, like eight, nine, ten assists a game. Yeah, I, just, I think that's a great point. He's a great defender, plays hard. I think that that would be a good pickup, but, you know, obviously the money situation, yeah, I just think it's a bit weird ideal. because, you know, I think Danny Ainge, you got to make a move. Yeah. You know, I don't know if it's trading Jalen Brown. I don't know if it's trading Campbell, whatever it is, but you got to make a move because in 2019, there was a report that the Celtics could have traded Jalen Brown for Kawhi Leonard, but... They didn't because he didn't want to pull the trigger and get rid of Jalen Brown. You know, we saw the same guy in Masai wow. Ujiri <laughs> trade Toronto's franchise beloved player in DeMar yeah. DeRozan for one year of Kawhi and, they got and get a championship. Yeah. And that was the best year of Toronto basketball ever. Yeah, yeah. And straight up. Danny Ainge didn't want to do that. Danny Ainge didn't want to trade for Kawhi. And, and granted, 
probably they wouldn't have they would have never won. Yeah. But if they that was during when Kyrie was there. So that wow. would have been Kyrie, Tatum, Kawhi. I mean, it would have been, I think, probably Hayward too. Like it would have been a stacked roster. They could have won a ring. Yeah. And Ainge didn't pull the trigger. And they and probably could have kept Kyrie too. Mm-hmm. And I wow. think at this point, you need to make a move. You need to make a move to get yourself to be better because Danny Ainge is a guy who he's only been making trades who that that favor him on paper. You know, like the Brooklyn trade where they got a, a haul for that. Mm-hmm. And now the Brooklyn Nets are better than they are. Yeah. They have a better future. <laughs> and that's just not acceptable. That, you know, a team can't trade all of their picks to you. And now you're not better than them. Now you're losing to us in the playoffs. Yes, you're about to, you're about to lose in five. A gentleman's sweep. <laughs> so I think Boston needs to do something. I think, you know, they should trade Jalen Brown because that's their most valuable piece. And I just don't see a duo of Brown or of, of Brown and Tatum ever winning a championship and i think in the history right yes Mm -hmm. and in the nba it's all about winning a championship yeah and if you can't win a championship you got to make moves to try and win one of course uh i think see see i like the trade you brought up with a cat because then i'm like all right what else would they have to give up to potentially get d'lo in that because d'lo is like a lot of people don't know he's his iq is so underrated in in the game so and when he was an all-star, he averaged like seven assists, I think. So better playmaker than Kemba. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. So I think if you put him at the top and then maybe if you can add someone to, you know, Finesse, like a, a guy who go like on the wing too, then that'd be dope. But I mean, like a playmate guard like D or like you said, a Ricky Rubio. If you're gonna trade Jalen Brown, that's what you should like prioritize. What about like a Robert Williams? Jalen Brown for Rubio and Cat. Would you throw in Fournier too? Fournier is a free agent, so oh, you can't. But like Timberwolves would have D'Lo Brown, um, D'Lo Brown, Edwards, Williams, and Celtics would have Rubio, Cat, and Tatum. That'd be solid. That's good. That'd I think be that ben- that's one of the few trades that benefits both teams. Yeah, yeah. I think it's just hard because right now we're not really sure what Cat is gonna be on a winning team. At least I like Cat. You know, I I've think he's, he's a good player, but we're not sure, especially because he gets injured a lot, too. Yeah, he does. So you can't really rely on him too much. So I think that's their only downfall, but that's definitely, you know, Boston has a lot to think about yeah. because they need to get better, and I know they want to win a championship. The city, the city wants to win a championship, but Jason Tatum recently, he has <laughs> come out with the top five list. He was on a... Million dollars worth of game. Shout out to them, Gilly the Kid, and a good podcast. And a, yeah, it's funny. one of the, it's one of the best podcasts funny. out there. It's really funny. For real. And Tatum <laughs> was on there. Not gonna lie, one of the more awkward interviews I've ever seen. <laughs> he, he looked awkward. Like he yeah, just, that, he looked like he had to laugh at their jokes all the time. Bro, they were that, funny, but it's like he just looked like. Bro, but that's like every ball player. Like they're all mad serious. You ever notice that they just be sitting there waiting just, to ask questions? I, I just. I can't get like I just couldn't get it through my head that Jason Tatum was really sitting next to them <laughs> having all discussion. He, it just looks like he just doesn't belong talking to them. You know what I KD mean? KD was chilling with them. He was chill. I think Tatum is just for me. Tatum was just taking too long to answer questions. Yeah, like he would sit there for like thirty <laughs> seconds thinking like Gilly would be like, "All right, man, yo, Tatum, who's the best score?" Jason Tatum would be like. They would have to name. They would have to name players and remind him against his own contemporaries. They did, they did the same thing for his list too. Yeah, he got stopped after like the first three, and then he just had to keep. Yeah, going. Tatum was like, "Damn, that's tough." <laughs> and then it'd just be like silence for ten seconds. Gilly the kids like, "All right, so let's just talk about this." No, but okay, so 
His top five list was LeBron, KD, Steph, Harden, and AD. And he said in the pocket, this is no order. So this is no order. But it's uh, it's LeBron, KD, Steph, Harden, and AD. He left out Kawhi. He left out Luka. And he left out Jokic. He left out Giannis, too. So those are four notable names that he left out. So, I mean, what do you think is wrong or right about Jason Tatum's top five list? I feel like if you were to ask every grade schooler, like their top five, that'd be that. You know, that's like the most basic top five in the league right mm-hmm. now. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm, there's nothing wrong with it. You know, like that's that's a valid top five. Like, there's nothing wrong I mean, with they're, it. They're all great players. I mean, are you asking me who my top five is? <laughs> who is your top five? Because my top five is different from that. Who's um, your top five? If I'm just going just all straight all this season or just my normal top five from just giving the last two, three years body of work, what players have done. You can go both. Okay, so my normalized top five would probably be LeBron James, Kevin Durant, Steph Curry. I like Giannis. And then I like Kawhi. But if you're asking me this year, I would I would probably say LeBron. KD, Steph, James Harden, and Giannis. I would I wouldn't have Kawhi in my top five just because he's he's a top five talent, doesn't play enough games. Like yeah. James Harden in Houston, even now, doesn't miss games, is always there for his teammates, makes the team better. So that would be my top five for today. But my normalized top five is is the first one. What do you guys think? Personally, I think that LeBron, KD, Stephen Harden are locked in yeah okay you know whether we're talking about body of work mm-hmm. or we're talking about this year i think they're locked in okay i think the interchangeable guy is ad oh definitely you know, he, he was the, never yeah, in my top yeah. five yeah. I, I, he's not in my top five he's never either. in my top five and i think luca takes that fifth spot this year at i'm least. not mad at you i think yeah, like luca takes that fifth spot <laughs> i like luca better than ad i think yeah, if, nah. if you ask somebody who would you rather start a team with luca or ad luca. Going, luca. Going luca. Luca. bro if you say anyone other than luca like that's so invalid. Like, if you're giving Luka to start a franchise, this dude can do everything. He's a six, what, six, seven, six, six? Six, eight. Six, eight. Six, eight point guard, bro. Like, what? Yeah, he's unreal. So, I would swap out AD. I would I would also put Kawhi over AD as well. Me too. Yeah. Me and too. If we're yeah. talking about this, you know, I, would put, too. I would put, oh, Giannis, Giannis too. definitely. And Giannis. I would put Jokic over AD if we're talking about this year. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. AD's had a, has, he's just had a very, had a very down year statistically, injury wise. I mean, he just got hurt last game. It, it's yeah. it's just been it hasn't been a good year. And I also felt like for most of the year since they won the championship, he was coasting, not really taking it as serious, as aggressive as he was his first year when he was there. So, just just the mixture of all those things. Like I I personally don't see how anybody can have him in their top five anymore. Or yeah, I think you know I, I think maybe they'll have him in the top five after this series versus Dallas because he's been playing really good. And if yeah. they win, it's gonna be a different story. And I, we all know playoffs is what matters. You know, yep. people talk about regular season, but playoffs. If you don't perform, you're yep. not gonna you're not gonna really uh, do much. So yeah. you you agree too that you think KD, Steph, Harden, and LeBron are locked in at four. You have oh. something different. Oh yeah, no, 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 no. I I agree with that completely. But I've always looked at Steph lately. For me, has always been like not on and off, but like I've been starting to point like, all right, Steph. Like out of those four. Steph might be the next one to be out just because he's been having to deal with injuries. But then, like this season, he shut me up. So like, yeah, I'm I'm not going to change that. But AD, I mean, we already right. talked about the injuries statistically this season. He went down. Kawhi is up there. I don't understand. Like Giannis for me is like the next one up. 
one of the most efficient last season. He had the most efficient season ever one of, if not. And then, um, I mean, he's just so underrated, bro. Like he's like such an old fashioned, like big man type. And now he's developed his three point shot too. So I think like for me, Giannis is, you, you don't have to put him a lock, but like, like you have to give key, him a look. Yeah. Yeah. I like agree. The, the key is in, you ain't got to turn the lock yet to, you know, lock it in, but the key is in there. The, the only, the only reason there's two reasons like that one that benefits him and one that doesn't. The fact that he was the, an MVP and defensive player of the year, mm-hmm. the last person knew that was Michael Jordan. But like Joel said, playoffs is where your name is made. And in the playoffs, his last couple playoff series, he hasn't really been, you know, as dominant as like, as dominant as he was in the, in the regular season. So I feel like if anybody wants to take Giannis out of the top five for that reason, that's fine. But I feel like he deserves at least a look in there because Milwaukee had the best record last year. We're talking about Milwaukee potentially upsetting the Brooklyn Nets and it's led by him. So, I mean, give him a look, you know what I mean? Give him a look. I mean, if you want to, you know, hold this postseason uh, woes against him, that's fine. But if you ask me, I think he easily gets the nod over Anthony Davis. I mean, yeah. I don't know about you guys. I mean, I think he gets Easily the nod over though. Anthony yeah. Davis. I think last year's a bit different. I would have put AD over him just because we get we got to see AD in the playoffs really and play elite-level defense, yeah. Yeah. Like elite-level defense, and score with anybody on the court. So I think it was a bit different. And I'm not mad at the list, but definitely I think he did leave Need out Need some Luka. revising. Yeah. But I, I know that Tatum and Luka, they're contemporaries. They're kind of battling out for yeah, who's so he's the best not, young he player. Not, he might not and I know Giannis is a, is an Eastern Conference rival and Kawhi, maybe he just probably doesn't do Kawhi's top five, which I, I'm not mad at. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so I think Tatum, you know, his top five list wasn't too bad. Solid. Yeah, listen, I, I want to see how many people in the comments agree with his top five list yeah. or listeners yeah. that agree and think that AD does belong in the top five. Mm-hmm. But the Brooklyn Nets right now, of course, they're beating the, the Boston Celtics 3-1. There was a whole dilemma about a, a fan throwing a water bottle at Kyrie. That fan is now arrested Bro, and stuff like yeah. that. Facing charges. Yeah, charges. he got charged for assault and battery. So Yeah, and I think that's good because it's going to scare fans away from doing dumb stuff. Yeah, know? it because, is. <laughs> as it should, yeah. Yeah, you know, in the Knicks game, you saw a fan spit on Trey Young. Emmanuel quickly just came out and said that somebody threw beer at him and spilled beer on him. You had you <laughs> yeah. had what else happened? I popcorn think, with Westbrook. Yo, popcorn with Westbrook. <laughs> so all these stuff has been all this stuff has been happening, and I don't know, man. It's it's a tricky situation. But what we're gonna talk about is what do you think the Nets' biggest liability is going to be in these playoffs versus Boston? The weaknesses aren't showing as much because they're not as talented as Brooklyn. But next series when they face Milwaukee. That's going to be a dogfight. Definitely. Some of Brooklyn's weaknesses are really going to show. But who do you think is going to be the biggest liability on Brooklyn? It can be a role player. It can be a position. Or it can be one of the three stars in Kyrie, Harden, or KD. See, for me, like, because I've been watching all series and we're so, when we get to, like, you know, Philly and uh, well, if we get to Philly and then you know when we get to Milwaukee, our size is gonna show up. And I know we got like Katie too, but I mean he's a wing guy. When it comes to down low, that's gonna be a problem. Definitely. So I was really looking at Nick Claxton to you know play like a star, but I mean he's been like so choppy this season, bro. Like I I was really hoping for him to really like take that you know step to show like okay yeah I can be a big piece on that on this uh playoff team. 
because DJ hasn't seen a minute of playoff time yet, and rightfully so. He sucks. <laughs> Straight garbage. But, <laughs> I mean, nah, for real. But, like, Claxton, I mean, he's been so, like, terrible. Last game, he finally got uh, four blocks. Or I think he finished for more, but he showed up on the defensive side. Offensively, though, is where our game Terrible. runs. So With him, yeah. we're going to have to show that. And it's not like, you know, he's just like, it's like miscues. It's like rookie miscues. He's in his second year. I'd call it his rookie year because he didn't play at all last season. They didn't, yeah. But, like, I mean, he's like pump faking. When, like, you shouldn't be pumping. There's no one around you. You you got longer arms. Next to Katie, you got the longest arms on the team, bro. Just put that up. So, I mean, for right now. He he's the biggest liability, and it's really going to show out when we go up against um, uh, Milwaukee, especially since Jeff Green he's nursing that injury, and you know he can guard you know a lot of big guys. So I mean Nick Claxton's really like our only guy who can guard anyone down low. <laughs> he's gonna get killed. <laughs> he's gonna get violated. <laughs> um, I mean I don't want to single it out on any player, but it's just our lack of size, like. I honestly think this is the series where we're going to have to reactivate DeAndre Jordan because yeah. he's strong enough to bang down low with a couple people can get a couple rebounds. But, but even, even that's scary because Giannis even, was murdering him. Even then, the like, you know, <laughs> so it's just like it, 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 it's going to come down to the front court. Blake Griffin, you know, he's been an improved defender for the Nets, but he's not going to stop Giannis. DeAndre Jordan is not going to stop Giannis. Nick Claxton is not strong enough to stop Giannis. It's going to be our front court that's going to kill us. Um Kevin Durant's a good defender, but you don't want him guarding Giannis and then trying to get buckets on the other end. It's going to get you tired. That's why you, our front court is going to be very detrimental to if we win this series or not. Um, I think, I think James Harden, Kyrie, Kevin Durant. I'm not worried about any of them in the slightest. Mm-hmm. I know James Harden is going to come to play. He's going to have his assist numbers. He's going to have his scoring. He's going to he can score when he needs to. Kevin Durant's Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, Kyrie Irving. It's going to be mostly our role players, but our role players in the front court. Can you stop Giannis? The answer is no. You can't. You can't stop Giannis. And then a, a thing that worries me is also our perimeter defense in the way that like Drew Holiday is no slouch. He's going to get to the rack. He can he can create his own shot. You got Chris Middleton who could create his own shot. So do you really like? Do you really trust Kyrie and James Harden to really guard those guys all series and on top of that get their buckets? Milwaukee is the perfectly constructed team to beat the Nets, but yeah. our front court is what's going to kill us because it's been that it's been that story all season. If you look at the numbers that centers and power forwards put up on the Nets, it's ridiculous. And then Giannis had a 49-point game on us. Yeah. Granted, James Harden wasn't playing, but James Harden is not going to make much of a difference either. It, he's not gonna, it's not like he's going to guard Giannis the entire game and stop him from scoring 49. So it's going to be our front court. It's going to be if Blake Griffin and Nicholas Claxton now, because Jeff Green's hurt, if they can step up and get some stops. And honestly, I just don't see it happening. You know, for me, I think uh, – you guys definitely are right. You know, I think right now they're putting DeAndre Jordan in the hyperbolic Tom Chamber <laughs> to try to get him, you know, fixed up. But need him. Obviously, yeah, Blake Griffin. He's a guy who, when he first came to Brooklyn, he showed a sense of urgency uh, on defense, effort, diving for loose balls. He's been really good in that. He's shown the effort, but his size, his wingspan, his yeah. short arms. They just limit him from contesting shots on a consistent basis and being any type of, you know, rim protector. I mean, that's not we him. That's him. never going Kevin to be him. Rim protector. Yeah. You know, he can't he can't do that. So he's definitely going to be a liability. And you guys mentioned the big man stuff, and I agree with that. 
But I think one of the big three is going to get neutralized. I'm just not sure which one. I don't think KD is. But I do, do I. unless no PG yeah. Tucker's guarding him. But if uh, <laughs> I if um Drew Holiday. Drew Holiday is on Harden, it's gonna be tough. I that that's the that's the key for me. You think Drew Holiday is gonna be on Harden, not Kyrie? That's I, the thing. I, I if, think if it's if more I was important. Milwaukee, I would be I would put Holiday on Harden. Me too. If I was Milwaukee. If I was booting Hoser, that's who I'm putting on Harden. And then that's, their that, play, that's their playmaker score. So then who would you put on Kyrie then? Chris Middleton. Middleton. Or Connaughton. I, I think that would all right, yeah. Well, one if, of them's gonna it, get a favorable matchup. Yeah, if if it's yeah. Connaughton on Kyrie, I, I could see that. But you put, I feel like if you put Middleton on Kyrie, that might be. Uh, uh, Kyrie can do him. That's Buffalo chicken, bro. You know that for me, that's that's what I think is gonna be the biggest thing. I'm more worried about Kyrie in this series because he's a volume shooter. You know, he's struggled against Milwaukee in the past in the playoffs. He's had games where very true. he really has been very inefficient. That's the guy who I think might be the Nets' biggest liability, at least out of the big three, um, because I think Harden's going to come to play. His scoring may not be there, but he's going to play make every other play. KD, I trust him to go off. So Kyrie's that guy that I think has to be efficient, has to get to his spots, and if he is matched up with Holiday, he has to win that matchup. As hard he's as better it than is, him. Yeah, yeah, as hard as it is, he needs to win that matchup. You know, I know Holiday, this past series just completely obliterated Jimmy Butler, but Kyrie has to be different and really win that matchup. And it, it's tough because you guys are right. Milwaukee is perfectly constructed to, to beat, beat the, the Brooklyn Nets. With everything. Yeah. You know, Gian- Giannis, I think, might average 30 to 40 points. Nah, probably bro, that's, 40 that's exactly it. Yeah, that's he exactly might average it. 40. But, you know, I want to say one thing, though. <laughs> If the big three, they all come to play and show out, this series is over in five. If, if, I'm going to say that right now. If Kyrie, James Harden, Kevin Durant hitting it on all cylinders and there's no answer to stop them, this series is over in you five. Mean like they, they can't, they, they can't, Milwaukee, as good as they are defensively, they can't score with us, bro. Let's be I'll real. I'll say six. Be, let's be real. Drew Holiday, can't, Drew Holiday can't score as well as Kyrie Irving. Yeah. Chris Middleton can't score as well as James Harden. Giannis Antetokounmpo, as good as... And as dominant as he is, he can't score as good as Kevin Durant, bro. You mean you mean like how they played yesterday? Yes. If they're hitting on all cylinders, no, but they're not beating us. But you know, we have to take into account that they're a good defensive team. But if the big three show up and show out, they're not. I think this series ends in five, maybe six to be nice. But I think it ends quickly. <laughs> but I, I do. If they're if they're all hitting on cylinders, if one of them have a bad series, this is a series that could go to seven. I mean, it, for me, it's kind of like. Like a part of me just feels like Steve Nash is gonna be like, all right, let Giannis do what he can do, and let's just make sure Middleton and Holiday aren't the guys that are like adding on to the feasting. I you mean, know? you're trading twos for for threes, you know, at that point, and that, that and that's exactly look. It. And Drew Holiday, he's not the best shooter, but he's definitely better than Eric Bledsoe. Yeah, definitely have to respect him. And Chris Middleton is an elite shooter. He's shot over forty percent for multiple times in his career. He shot 42% from the three in the Miami series, if I'm not mistaken. So that's another guy you can't sag off. And another guy that we're forgetting about, if Brooke Lopez starts hitting his shots that's right. and stretching the floor and being that rim protector, he can he can, he can can be very useful. So it's a lot of if, ands, or buts. We can only have to see when they, when they step on the court in, in Brooklyn. But um, I definitely think that it's going to be a dogfight. I think whoever wins this series comes out of the East. I'll be honest, though. I think that they won't play Brooke Lopez much. Don't. I think their lineup is going to be... Oh, they got Bobby Portis, too. Yeah, that's right. And he's good. Yeah. Damn, they he's got a good, good But I think <laughs> they got a good their lineup team. is going to be Holiday, Connaughton, slash Bryn Forbes, whoever they are, doesn't really matter. Giannis, Middleton, and Tucker at the five. 
I think they'll have Tucker, but I think they'll have Giannis protecting the rim because he can be a rim protector. Easily. And they'll have Tucker on KD. They'll have Holiday on Kyrie or Harden, and they'll have Middleton on the other or a Connaughton on them. And then they'll have Giannis freelancing, right? It depends. Covering the paint, picking up off screens. Yeah, I agree. The the X factor, I think, in this series is going to be how Brooklyn is going to play with Bryn Forbes out there. Because I think when Bryn Forbes is with those star guys – that's the matchup they're going to attack in the pick and roll and try to get yeah. a switch onto him. He's really going to be the guy that if, if the Nets can dominate those minutes, I think they're going to dominate the series. But if they're not hitting their shots in those minutes, it's going to be much closer because Connaughton, he's a much better defender than Bryn Forrest. Another X factor for the Brooklyn Nets that needs to show up is Joe Harris. That's right. Joe Harris needs to, needs to be present. He needs to at least shoot over 40% from the three to space that floor. Because I don't know if you guys remember in his last, no, well, not his last, because we played Toronto last year, but against Philly that one year, he was abysmal in the first round against Philly, and he was the main reason why we lost because he wasn't that floor spacer, he wasn't that forty-eight percent three-point shooter that we needed. Now you got a big three that all eyes are focused on the big three. A player like Jane, uh, um, Joe Harris, who's going to be open, he also has to take advantage of him being open, and I think he can because he's just he's one of the best shooters in the league. But he's he an is. X factor. He needs to like, he needs to knock down those open shots and space the floor for the for the big three. If he's doing that, then I don't I don't I don't know if this series is is even a series. So you both are Nets fans. So what's your prediction for this series? Not that I'm thinking you guys are picking anybody other than the Nets, but what what does this go to? See, I was talking to JC before we even started. I was like, yeah. I think each team is going to handle home court, and it's going to go to seven. So, I mean, Brooklyn's got home court. What do you know. think wins in seven? You think Brooklyn gets in yeah, seven? Th- yeah. Like, like I said, I think it's straight up going to be chalk, that, that entire series. I, Brooklyn's going to win the first two. Milwaukee's going to win the second. Then Brooklyn, Milwaukee, it's going to be back in Brooklyn. And, I, yeah. think, I think the Brooklyn Nets will win in six because I think they will be the first team in that series to win on the road. Okay. And then they'll take it. They'll, okay. they'll handle their home court. What do you think? <laughs> no, you know I've been having the Nets since the beginning of the season. That's not going to change now. But the Bucks do frighten me. Of course, the, the yeah, Bucks. The Bucks are they definitely that team. Do. They, yeah, they're constructed nah. to beat the Nets. The Bucks are that team that I'm like, damn, it can go either way. So I'll say the Nets in seven as well. I'll, I'll say the Nets of seven because I respect the Bucks <laughs> that much as a, as as the team they oh, are. Like they, they, they are a great constructed team. They they have really made a lot of enhancements to that great, roster. Yeah. And now I'm, we now know why Giannis decided to stay because Yo, you know, he, he asked vision, for help bro. and he saw it. Can I ask a side question? If Budenholzer loses this series, do you think they fire him? They shouldn't. Yeah. They shouldn't, right? They shouldn't because this is a very tough series. This is against Brooklyn. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I'll, this isn't fair. Like if they lose the series, it's just not fair. It's the Brooklyn Nets. Everyone knew they was going to be out the East. Anyway, I mean, so. you know, this is what we're Nets fans. You know, th- this is James Harden. This is why James Harden's here. This is why this trade was made. Like Straight go up. big or go home. Like it's time now. So if Brooklyn's gonna win, this is the best team you're gonna have to go through. You gotta do it. All the chips are in for this one season. You gotta get it done. Now I agree. If the Nets lose this series, Oof. it's gonna be a lot of media stuff going bro, on. Bro, I'm oh, not yeah. gonna sleep for like a month, bro. It's gonna be terrible. I'm, I'm telling you. So I wanna <laughs> announce something right now to the audience and the fans. So recently uh, we have been supported and contacted by Manscaped. They have been generous enough to send uh, Riv, Jack, and I the Lawnmower 4.0 along with the t-shirt and some boxers. It's actually, it was <laughs> really, really great. And 
Support for the Picky Side Podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming champions of the world. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. And Manscaped just launched their fourth-generation trimmer, the Lawnmower Pro, this bad boy right here. And you heard that right. It is the 4.0. Join over 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you. 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code PICKASIDE at manscaped.com. And imagine shaving with a sleek, well-designed, and optimized trimmer that makes shaving time your favorite time in the bathroom. You know, I'm <laughs> one of the first people to try the 4.0, and I've been blown away by the performance. I'll be honest with you guys. I tried it yesterday. I just wanted to leave it in the package because it looks very sleek. I think they did a really <laughs> nice job packaging this stuff. And then when you open it, you can see that the first thing it reads is it's a whole new balls game. <laughs> so something really cool. And the Manscaped Lawnmower 4.0 is really good. It has a skin safe technology. So it makes sure you don't cut your balls while you're shaving. Or niche them. Yeah. Yes, yeah. which I think is a huge deal. <laughs> it also has a wireless charging. You know, you just set it, you put an outlet in it, you set it up. And it charges on a station, but you can use it wirelessly. There's no cable involved with this razor. It also has an LED light for when you're shaving. You can see what you're actually shaving, and you can. It has refla replaceable blades as well. Yep. So there are a lot of great features with this lawnmower lawnmower uh, 4.0. And I think if you need a trimmer, you need a shave down there. I know that everybody. We like to shave. You know, JC mentioned he already owns Manscaped <laughs> like product and he loves it. So, you know, it's going to, it's, you know, so it's very good. Definitely an upgrade over a razor. And you can get 20% off with free shipping with the code PICKASIDE at manscaped.com. Your balls will thank you. So, shout out to Manscaped right there. You know, it's, it's, I think it's a huge deal. You know, the reason why I think it's a huge deal because the first uh the first uh uh sponsor that we've had on the show so obviously if we're going to sponsor somebody on the show we're going to sponsor a company and a brand that we believe in we're not going to just sponsor you guys anything and i'm very thankful for manscape you know i think it's a huge deal it goes to show how much you guys have been involved in this process with supporting us and getting to the point where we, we finally have yeah. some recognition i think that's a huge deal and i really thank all of you guys that have been listening downloading the podcast listening to YouTube. I think all of that, I really thank you guys. And I'm sure if Jack were here, he would say the same thing. Mm -hmm. If River were here, he would say the same thing. So yeah, we thank all of you guys because this is our first uh, partnership and mm -hmm. the first company that we have a promo code with, which is pretty crazy. Congrats. I never thought that Pick Aside would uh, be that you know, <laughs> when we first started. You know, we first started, I think, uh, last year, nine months ago. JC, Raven, and I. Then New Jack York. came on later on. New yeah. York, yeah, I remember that. You know, so this, this was a long time coming, long way coming. So now on to the next topic. Julius Randle. He has been abysmal in uh, this series versus the Atlanta Hawks. In the playoffs, he's been averaging 16.8 points per game, 11 rebounds per game, 4.3 assists, shot 27% from the field and 33% from three. So he's shooting better from the three than from the field, which is ridiculous because I, I don't see that often. And the question is, 
Would you give Julius Randle a long-term contract if you were the Knicks? Would you pay him close to a max? Because he probably is going to be on the All-NBA team, at least third team. And I'll start off first and say, hell no. <laughs> you, you don't pay Julius Randle a long-term max contract because Julius Randle is not that guy. And I'm a Knicks fan, but I don't want anybody to mistake what I'm saying. I appreciate Julius Randle. I am grateful that this season he brought the Knicks back on, you know, he made us relevant. He put us on the map again. He gave fans like myself something to cheer about this season. But the bottom line is watching him play, you know, he can't be that guy. And I don't think his game style complements a guy who can be that guy. I don't think it does. So I'm grateful for Julius Randle, but I said this on Twitter. Julius Randle is to the Knicks what D'Angelo Russell was to the Nets. Julius Randle was a stepping stone. Now (laughs) we got to build some new pavement. We got to get the actual stars in the building. I'm not saying don't bring back Julius Randle next year because he's on a player option. Pick up the option. Have him play next year as well because this free agent class sucks. So you're not going to get a free agent (laughs) this year. Bring him back next year, but don't pay him long-term money because he did not show up in the playoffs. And people talk about the regular season. That's fine. But the playoffs is the most important time of the year. And the reason Julius Randle has been struggling is because the Knicks offense this entire year has been predicated off of Julius Randle ISO and him taking a bunch of mid-range shots that he was making. But now in the playoffs, we see that those mid-range shots are highly inefficient he gets guarded more closely. There, are, there is more attention on him. And now those shots are not going in, and he's not playing good at all. And I want to say this. It's not just him. I think the Knicks this series have been getting exposed. I think Tom Thibodeau's defensive, defensive vision and how he played defense the entire regular season is getting exposed in this series. I think his foundation on defense is getting exposed in this series. I think R.J. Barrett's insane shooting in the regular season is, is getting exposed as well. You know, and I think our lack of a point guard play and our lack of a secondary scorer is getting exposed in this series. So it's not on Julius Randle. It's not all on Julius Randle. But I definitely wouldn't pay him max money. I think that's like giving Tobias Harris or Chris Middleton <laughs> a max. And if you give them a max when you have Giannis or Embiid or and Simmons, that's fine. But if you're giving them a max when you have nobody, it's not fine. Yeah. And that's the reason why I wouldn't pay Julius Randle that much. And I'll be honest, I love Julius Randle all season. I even bought his jersey. But my cousin, my my cousin was the guy that really made me fall out of love with Julius Randle. And I'll <laughs> tell you why. We were watching the Knicks game on this TV right here. We were sitting right here watching the Knicks game. And he tells me, man, Julius Randle is a superstar. And I told him, and I told him, chill out. He's not, okay? He's not. Trust me, he's not. And then he said, you're crazy. Yes, he is. And I was like, he can't be the best player on a championship team. And my cousin says, why not? And I said, are you serious right now? Do I really have to explain to you why Julius Randle can't be that? And then I told, I asked him. I, I, li- I listed players. I said, look, he's not even a top 20 player in the NBA. And I said, I literally told him to his face, Trey Young is better than Julius Randle. He said, no, he's not. No way. And I said, okay. Now, this entire series, when the Hawks have been smoking the Knicks and Trey Young has been going off, 
I have been trolling him the entire time and telling him, is Trey Young still not better than Julius Randle? Is he still not better? You know, I even mentioned Zion. He doesn't think, he at the time at least, I don't know what he thinks now, he didn't think Zion was better than Julius Randle. So I, so nice. obviously, Zion, so nice. obviously, his fascination with Julius Randle has really made me take a backseat and say, okay, now you, you you're making me just bash Julius Randle because you you think he's this guy that he's not. And there's no knock to Julius Randle, but at 27 Randall. years old, already being in your sixth to eighth year in the league, I'm not sure which one exactly. Going off. This is this is who Julius Randle is going to be. Yeah. He's not going. This was his breakout season, his absolute ceiling, as the first option, as the first option, getting the majority of shots. If, if he's in any other system where he's not the first option anymore, these numbers will dip quickly. And the fact of the matter is that he will not get better from here on out. He's a hell of a player, no doubt about it. But paying him max money would be like paying Tobias Harris or Chris Middleton or DeMar DeRozan max money. To lead your and, team. Yes. And we know that any team, no way they do they want to do that. Yeah. So that's why I wouldn't pay Julius Randle. But bring him back for this year, pick up his player option, and run it back. Wait, can I ask you one question before I, before I start? Um, how did you feel about his stint in New Orleans when he was averaging 23 a game? And he was like, what, I want to say the... Second or third option on that team? He was averaging 19 a game. He was averaging 19. I yeah, thought he was averaging 22. That, that was because AD was in and out the lineup. That yeah, was that right. was the year that AD was wanted uh-huh. to get traded and stop playing. Like I think uh, three quarters into the year, Boogie was on that team too. Right? Nah, he nah, wasn't. Was so, so you know, Randall had a much you know a greater role and yeah. you know really showed can, out in that. Can you can you see him in that role for New York? You get a superstar. Let's say let's just say you get Kawhi Leonard. Let's just say. Would my you, problem you, with that would you run it back with him as the second best player? My problem with that is that I think that Kawhi, um, he's a scorer, right? And I don't think, player, yeah. yeah, and I don't think that his game fits Julius Randle because if Kawhi's in New York, Randle is going to be somewhat regulated, relegated to a spot up shooter role, and I don't think that's where he's going to thrive. Did he shoot forty percent from the three? Yeah, he did, which is what he that was like a fourteen percent increase from last year. So, look, I'm going to be safe and say that he's going to be 35 to 36% from the three. I don't think he's going to keep up the 40% uh, pers- uh, from the three mark that he hit last year. I think he's going to be 35 36%. And I'll be honest, too. The majority of the season, fans weren't in the building. You know, So now that we got fans and he's playing bad, it looks even worse. Because it's like, wow, yeah. you can't play in front of fans. So he might have been a product of, of a guy who was just going off because there was no fans. Yeah. So that's another thing you got to factor into it. So I think this w- year was weird. But I don't know how he fits next to other superstars. For example, like, I could see a Dame, like Dame and Randall. Okay, that's good. But is that going to win you a championship? I don't think so. No. You know, no. so, you know, who else is out there? I think Luka and Randall could fit very well together, but we're not going to get Luka. Well, Luka and anybody could fit well with yeah. the way he plays. For the most part, yeah, he could. And I'll be honest, I think that if KP was on the Knicks right now, I think he'd be playing better than Randall, which is not that hard <laughs> to do. But I, I think <laughs> I not. think <laughs> I think that KP as a first option is a little better than Randall as a first option. Fully healthy, fully well, healthy. Well, KP KP's got like a wider game, let's say, than, offensive game. Yeah, offensively. So yeah, I. I no, nah, that's valid. I, I could see you just that know KP can pull up from forty. Yeah, that's really what it is. Randall, you'll let him shoot that. Even if he's shooting at forty percent, you'll let him shoot that. Yeah. I'll live with it. <laughs> wow. I, he's not, he, he's not pulling crazy. up. He's not pulling up from forty. Wow, but man, I love not. Julius Randall. But 
we look, I have to be honest about him. You know, I'm a Knicks fan, no doubt, but I don't let my fandom blind me. And I think Knicks fans should not let their fandom blind them as well. Look, Randall was a stepping stone. Now it's time to get the real stars, whether it's this year or next year. It's time to get the real stars in New York. They'll definitely don't, get some looks. Don't be yeah, blinded. You know, I know when the, the Nets signed Kyrie, some Nets fans weren't that happy because they wanted to keep D'Lo. You know? I wanted Kyrie. Bro, I, bro that hurt my soul what, so well, much. Because we got Kevin Durant. Yeah. I mean, I'm not... I'm not missing out on an opportunity of Kyrie and Katie for D'Angelo at, at first Russell. it was at first it was like straight up. All right, yeah. And now you can see for the most part it's been the right move because then we got James Harden and stuff. Yeah. But I, I was very thankful for like what D'Lo and like Karis LeVert and Jared Allen did for in their stint with the Nets. So yeah, I agree with Joel. Um, as far as like giving him a max contract, I mean, I never thought he was a max level contract type of player. Uh, I always believe that you have to watch what they do in the playoffs. Same thing mm-hmm. with D'Angelo Russell, contract year. I was like, yo, uh, is D'Lo like a max player? <laughs> I'm like, I got to see him against a team like Philly, a good defensive team, all eyes on you. Didn't show up, had a terrible series. And that was the end of his stint in Brooklyn. Yeah. And I don't think it's going to be the end of the stint for Julius Randle just because this is the first time making the playoffs since like 2012. And he brought a lot of Knicks fans, a lot of joy. He got him as, as the man, got him like home court advantage and everything. So I wouldn't sign on to like a max contract to be the best player on on a team to even get out the first round because we know he can't do that. Yeah. This was the most favorable matchup for them, and you know they're just getting outclassed. Series is not over, but they've been getting outclassed. So it looks like the Heat would have been a better matchup, honestly. Now, yeah, yeah, because Atlanta's just has too much. I, like I said in the last episode, too much offensive firepower. They have yeah. just so many options and so many places where they could go on the court for people to score. So I definitely think you should bring Julius Randle back as a second option. I think if you can sign a superstar and pair him with Julius Randle as the second best player, I would like to see that because Julius Randle as your best player got you to the four seed. You add somebody like, let's say, Kawhi Leonard, then you know for a fact you have a great chance to make it out of the second, the first and second round, maybe make it to the conference finals. So I see it like this. Pascal Siakam was the best was the second best player on Toronto. I think I don't think it's that far fetched that Julius Randle's bet is or Siakam at that time was better than Julius Randle now. Look, I, I think Siakam was great, but I think Kyle Lowry was the second best. Okay, so I think Siakam was the second oh, best nah, scorer, yeah. but I think Lowry was better than Siakam. Yeah, and I could see that, you know. But the Knicks have to have such a great roster for that to happen. Yeah, I mean, we have to have first a Kawhi. You need a point guard. We have to have a true point guard too that, that, that is actually really good and an All Star point guard. I just. I think it would be interesting to see Julius Randle as the second option on the team. But I would like a superstar. Like, okay, if he's going to be the the second option, then the first option, like, I think you should fix your, like, point guard issue with that. Like, you guys don't need a Kawhi. If you guys can find, like, like a superstar point guard to, you know, help him out with that, I think that'd be way more beneficial if you guys were to get Kawhi, honestly. No, uh, yeah, I mean, I I agree with that. You're not going to find it in this free agent class. Yeah, unless let's Kawhi declines his option. Let's be real. I mean, Chris Paul is going to be afraid and he's going to be 37 coming yeah, off injuries. Kyle Lowry is Chris what, Paul 36. has a player option. He's mm-hmm. not going to decline it. Uh, no, he's going to get paid a lot of money. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Kyle Lowry, I mean, if you want to give him a shot, I mean, you're not going to make anything happen with Kyle Lowry either. I think, I, I think the Knicks are in a tough spot. I think you should keep him around because I think if you made the playoffs this year, I'm not saying it'll guarantee you make it next year, but you have a good shot to make the playoffs. 
But I do think that you guys need that superstar present on that roster to make some big noise. But I do think yeah, that this think is so a very too. youthful and a very good young team led by yeah. a really good coach. So yeah. you're, you're trending towards the right way. You know, I think so, too. And I'll be honest as well. I think that Tom Thibodeau is more Mark Jackson than Steve Kerr. I think that he's more Kenny yeah. Atkinson than Steve Nash. You know, okay. I, I think Tom Thibodeau is that guy also who brings in the culture. But when we get that, those superstar players, you don't know if they're going to buy into Tom Thibodeau and, you know, how he coaches. So it's going to be a, a lot coach. of question marks, but good coach though. Yeah, as yeah. long as the Knicks are trending in the right direction, that's all that matters. And I'll say it again: I love Julius Randle. Before people were even on his bandwagon, I was yeah, you a were Julius Randle supporter. <laughs> but I'll say <laughs> this as well: you have to be real with what you're seeing. And nobody that has eyes and glasses, if you wear glasses, can can <laughs> watch the TV and say Julius Randle can be the best player on a championship team. That is not going to happen. And nah, I won't. I love Randall, but the thing about it is that fans and people in the heat of the moment love to be like, oh, he's so young. He's this, he's that. I have a rule with the NFL and NBA. After four years, you're the player you're going to be. 99% of the time. Maybe there's a Tannehill in some guys or that uh, they get a new opportunity. Maybe there's a Tannehill. But most of the time, that doesn't happen. You don't see all-star guys at 29. You see them make yeah. it earlier in their career. What is he, 26? Yeah. 26, you know, yeah. After four years, you know what a player is going to be. You know how great he can be. After that, you know, it, it's it's over for that. So, yeah. you know, yeah. I'd give them that four-year period in the first four years. If they're not good, I think, okay, they're not good then. If uh, they're really good, I think, okay, they, they can be this good. But after those four those first four years, you can see it. And football, I can, you know, give better examples because Jared Goff – First year, bad. Second, third year, really good. But now after that fourth year, we know who he is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, same thing with guys like Dak Prescott. Um, I think we're starting to figure that out with Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen now. Now yeah. that they had breakout seasons. All right, so let me ask you about Sam. All right, so let me let me give you a hypothetical right now. Sam was with the Jets for three years, right? Let's say it was four, and his four was just as, you know, consistent as his previous previous three. Now that he's in Carolina for hypotheticals fifth year would you give him like the benefit of the doubt in that if he breaks out slightly but I, <laughs> I still think Sam's not going to be good ah oh, that's I still think he's not going to be good <laughs> I really believe he won't be good he won't be good yo Panthers are my second favorite team this season and you want to know why because <laughs> the division first they're not going to get past the Bucks. Nah. second as long as Sean Payne is on the Saints and they have that talent they're not going to get past the Saints yeah Atlanta, they're an evenly matched team. And if Atlanta doesn't blow leads, they're better than them too. They will probably <laughs> finish fourth in that division with having a franchise quarterback that was <laughs> held back by the Jets. Like, I understand the situation held back Sam a lot, but his decision-making held him back a lot too. And frankly, yeah. I, I think that even, like, I saw flashes, but on plays. You know, I saw flashes on, like, completions. Yeah. But I saw nightmares on possessions and drives. Yeah. yeah. So Straight which up. and that's the thing. That's what kind of scares me about Sam. So if I were to bet money, I would say he will not be good. <laughs> uh, I mean we'll see. He will not be good. Good thing we're talking basketball today. Yeah. So <laughs> two teams that didn't make the playoffs last year but made it this year were the Atlanta Hawks in the East and the Phoenix Suns in the West. And I want to make this topic about Trey Young and Devin Booker. 
because mm. both are leading, or you can say one is leading a great team, and the Hawks, with their, they have the fifth seed. And Devin Booker, I think Chris Paul is the leader, but Devin Booker is also a main part of why they are the second seed. Definitely. But they're both terrific young players. But in your opinion, who is more impactful? And a better question, if you were starting a team, are you going with Devin Booker or are you going with Trey Young? See, see, for me, how I looked at this season was that Devin Booker, he's learning right now how to lead his team. He needs CP3 for like a little bit of like, like you said, like like a stepping stone to see like what it takes to lead a team. But I think for right now, most impactful is Trey Young because he is that stepping stone. He's the guy that Atlanta has built around. Devin Booker needs CP3 to get to the playoffs. Atlanta, they didn't need anyone. They just needed uh, Trey Young to learn the game for one more year. He comes in, boom, gets him to the five seed. As of right now, Trey Young is easily more impactful. But in the future, I think once Booker, like, I'm not going to say he adjusts his game, but once he grows older and, you know, understands, like, what it takes to lead a team, I think he's going to be light years ahead of Trey Young. No doubt about it. Light years. Wow. Light years. What do you, what do you think? I'm going to be honest, man. I don't think that's the This case playoffs, Trey Young is averaging 27.5 points per game, 10 assists per game, shooting 47% from the field and 36% from three. Devin Booker averaging 25, 5, and 5, shooting 40% from the field, 26% <laughs> from the three. Both are facing what should be good defenses on paper. I think the Lakers have been a far superior defense than Knicks have been in the playoffs, no doubt about it. Yeah. But I will say this, man. I think Trey Young is more impactful because he can yeah. he he can give you the scoring Devin Booker can give you, albeit in different ways. Yeah. But he can also give you ten assists a night. And last year in his second season, he averaged twenty nine and ten basically. And you know that he was first in most missed assists, which means that these should have been assists, but his <laughs> players just missed shots. You know he's that good of a player. I think Devin Booker is a scorer. And then you you'll probably mention, oh, but um, Trey Young is not a defender; he can't play defense. Whatever. So can, Devin Booker can't either. You know, <laughs> De- Devin Booker Devin Booker's defensive rating in this series against the Lakers has been one of the worst on the Suns. Yeah. So Trey Young, even though he can't play defense, he has an excuse. His size limits him. Devin Booker doesn't have an excuse. His effort limits him on that end. Yeah, and I think yeah. because of that, when you look at offense, you look at assists, points. I think Trey Young is more impactful. Than Devin Booker, and I take him moving <coughs> moving forward as well because I think as long as Trey Young is running the show and they have a competent head coach and like a Nate McMillan, yeah. they'll be a good team, you know. But I think Devin Booker, I don't he I don't think he can run his own show. You know, he had last year In without yeah without mm-hmm. CP three, he he averaged like I think twenty six or twenty eight points per game and had like six to seven assists per game. Yeah. So he showed his prowess as a playmaker, but I think those assists were more based off like driving and kicking out than actually, you know, making these ridiculous magician passes that Trey yeah. Young makes. So I, I would take Trey Young all day. That's my guy. Trey Young. I agree. I, I mean, I agree. I think now and in the long run, I'm taking Trey Young. Like Joel said, you, you have a guy any given night that can give you 30 points. You got a guy who can give you 10 assists. I mean, he makes players like John Collins and Clint Capella lob threats better than what you know they are they would be without a traditional point guard 
I mean, I remember when Clint Capella actually got traded to the uh, to the Hawks. I remember you were one of the first uh, people that said that Trey Young is one of the best lob throwers in the league, <laughs> and you know how much that benefits Clint Capella's game. So Trey Young, Trey Young run he 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 runs the team tremendously. He's a great passer. I'm talking about like I, he I've seen some of the best dimes of the season towards him threading the needle behind the back, perfect lob passes, full court passes. And then on top of that, he's he can really score with the best of them. I mean, we're talking about a Knicks team that was top two in defense all year. I think he's had like three games where he had over 30-plus, couple 14, 15 assist yeah. games. You know, like with Devin Booker, you know what you're going to get. Devin Booker is a great, great scorer. He has a lot in his bag. He can score very well. I do think his leadership needs to get better, and I just don't see him being the playmaker that Trey Young is. He'll never be that. And it's just, uh, it's just like... I think people were people were saying Trey Young didn't play winning basketball. I know there's a bunch of people that had that uh theory on his game, but I just can't see how that how that's true when you got people like John Collins, Clint Capella, all these guys being the most efficient that they've probably been in their entire career. Like I think if John Collins goes to another team with a with a with a point guard that's not as good at setting him up, I think you're going to see his numbers and his efficiency dip. Uh so I think Trey Young, just giving out the fact that he can score very well, he can give you 25 to 30 a night, and he makes players better, and he can pass the ball well. He's he's the most important player for his team. Devin Booker is not that. Because if I'm not mistaken, I even said it, if Chris Paul was not present in this series, they're not winning. Nope. They're not, not winning. Even a, I don't think they're winning more than a game. They're not uh. winning. So Chris Paul playing definitely helped them out. But I mean, me now in the edge in the future, I'm just gonna give to Trey Young just because his playmaking ability and making players better is just tremendous. I think he's one of the best passers in the league. And then you got you got a guy any given night who can shoot the three ball, can drive inside, has a nice floater, can yeah, score. Yeah, Steph Curry range. Yeah, not and as good as a range. shooter, but yeah, not as good. But he's not as good. You know, he's, he's, not, he's not he, as he, efficient. He's definitely yeah. cut from that cloth, though. Yeah. So yeah, if he starts hitting that at a consistent, more consistent rate. Now we're looking at something scary. Yeah, yeah so I, I I think oh, and we forgot to mention the fact that Trey Young's actually really clutch too. Trey yeah. Young hits a lot of clutch. Devin Booker's clutch Booker's in his clutch own, too. Booker's clutch in his own regard, but you got to add into the fact that Trey Young is also very clutch too. So it'll be an interesting thing to see. They're both young players, just to see down the line. But if I had to say who's gonna be more impactful and who's just gonna have the better overall career, right now I would say Trey Young. You know, outside of Trey Young and his obviously insane basketball ability. I think his mindset is something that puts the edge over Devin Booker too. You know, when you look at Trey Young, Knicks fans saying Echoing F him. you mm-hmm. to you. And now you go, you hit a game winner, you tell the crowd it's quiet in here, you shut them up. Then for the entire series, we'll see you back in the A. Yeah. You win two of those games. I just think Trey Young, you know, Draymond Green tweeted it the other day. He's one of the he's one of the biggest shit talkers in the NBA. Yeah. You know, he's one of the biggest trash talks in the NBA, and now people are starting to see it. And I think Trey Young is that guy that, look, he's going to talk to you. He's not rattled by anything. He has this type of mindset. He has a chip on his shoulder. I don't know if that's Devin Booker. You know, he's a guy who was crying when he got double teamed in the pickup game. I remember you know, that. So yeah. I don't know if, he's, if he has that type of mindset that, you know, Trey Young has. Obviously, people are going to come with rebuttals about, like, yo, Devin Booker, uh, you're not supposed to double team in pickup games, whatever, whatever. I don't really care. But at the end of the day, I think that Trey Young, just what I've seen from him, his mindset, how he talks, how he trash talks, I just give him in the mindset category over Devin Booker as well. Yeah. I see, 
I was looking at that and I was thinking like, bro, Trey Young and his confidence right now is like so like I like what you said. It puts him ahead of a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And I think that's it because, bro, you hit a game winner at the Garden in your first ever playoff game, bro. Like that's, <laughs> that's crazy, bro. That's nuts, bro. And then, I mean, yeah, you take that and then you win your, you know, you defend home court. And I mean, if he closes out the series in MSG and if he can manage to lead the Hawks to steal a game against Philly, bro, like next year, Trey Young, now that his confidence is like, like super up there, I think it's like so wraps for the team. But like confidence also like comes with like, like it's a double edged sword. So like if he takes advantage of like, if he doesn't help his game out from three and he keeps putting up like those 40, you know, plus range shots and he's not hitting them consistently, then that can hurt him. But I mean like game plan wise, like his mindset going into next season is going to be like so creepy. Like he's going to be one of the best players to watch. You can't game plan for him either. He's just too, too, too talented of a passer, too talented think, of a scorer. I think that he'll really struggle against Philly in round two. You know what's crazy? I think they could take a game or two against Philly. I really do, just because they have a lot of firepower on offense. Defensively, they're not gonna they're not gonna really match Philly because nobody can stop Joel Embiid. But the Hawks have a lot of scoring options. You got mm-hmm. Gallinari, you got Bogdanovich, you got John Collins, Clint Capella could come in and score. DeAndre Hunter, Kevin Hurter. Yeah. This is a good like this is yeah. a very good scoring team. So don't be Lou Will. Lou Will. Lou don't Will. be surprised if they take a game or two. Out of Philly, because I just think their offense is just that talented. Yeah, yeah, that's true. But I think I just feel think it, Ben Simmons can lock him. Not Ben, but like Thibault, Ben Green. It's gonna be it's gonna be way tougher. I've been looking at Ben Simmons. It's like Ben if Ben Simmons oh. can lock up Trey is is raps, bro. Yeah, they're like, not that's yeah. raps. Like I think they're gonna send doubles at Trey, and it's gonna be much better in terms of. I mean, they're gonna be great communicating at you know rotating. And I really do think that Trey Young may have a really bad series. Like we, we may possibly. forget about this series because of how bad he might have it next year. We'll series. see. But, 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 we'll if, see. but if you throw the double team at Trey, that might kill you too because you know, you're Great. talking about Gallinari. That's true. Where there. Um, he, he's he's going to make the right pass. You, you can't uh-huh. really game plan for Trey Young, bro. He's just too much of a great passer for that. That's true. But I think it's the same thing with John Morant because John Morant right now has been going off. Beast. Because they haven't been doubling him. Beast. Oh, once once these players, these young players, start getting that James Harden treatment, Steph Curry, that you know Steph Curry, that Luca treatment, they started double him as well. Yeah. Now it's going to be a different story. Imagine when they were how they were doubling James Harden the second he walked up half court in Houston. Like the second oh. he got past half court, they just blitzed him. Raps. Yeah, that's how um that's how uh the Pelicans beat Portland that one series. Drew Holiday did a phenomenal job one started on one, blitzing Dame. but they, yeah. Dame even said they started blitzing me, and I've just I've never seen a defense like that, so it caught me so off guard. So yeah, you know, Trey Young, John Morant, they're bound to have a series. I think Trey Young more so because Ja can't really shoot mm-hmm. at least consistently right now. Trey Young, you know, he has that range, so if they start yeah. doing that to him, he might really have a bad series, <laughs> like a bad series, and I can really see it happen. The, the Knicks should have been doing it, but Yo, obviously they didn't. Have you you got to worry about Ben Simmons too. I mean. I think he's a menace, bro. On defense, it's, it's, it's crazy. He can guard like every position really well. So it's it's going to be tough for Trey Young. We'll learn a lot about Trey Young this season in the next series when they play um, yeah. Philly. Yeah, no doubt about it. And the Suns right now, Devin Booker's team, they are playing currently, not right now at this moment, but they are playing in a series. And right now the series is split 2-2. It's tied, obviously. And Anthony Davis just got injured. He has been ruled out 
for game five. It is a growing strain, I believe. And that's not an injury that you can you can just heal back from. It's going to take him a while. I mean, quick question. I mean, do you guys think that the Phoenix Suns have a chance to win this series or are you still going with LeBron James? I've, I've said it from the beginning. This is going to be my favorite series to watch. This one's deaf going to seven. It sucks that CB3 was hurt for games two and three, or at least he wasn't 100% because that really took away from like the entertainment value. But I've always said it. This Suns could definitely walk out this series. And not to mention, they played like respectively well. I mean, obviously it was blowout losses, but they played pretty well against the Lakers, even with CP3, you know, missing a little bit of time. So I I definitely think now that AD's out, he's going to, you know, I think the Suns are definitely going to take game five. Braun is going to have to do what Braun <laughs> does and uh, take game six. But, I mean, the Suns are so, like, the Suns are so good, man. Like, they're such a scary team. And now that you throw, like, CP3 in the mix, one of the, the best playmaker in the league. It's nuts. I mean, Mikael Bridges and uh, uh, Devin Booker on the wings is so great. And Mikael Bridges is such a menace on defense, too. I mean, that's his game. So that's where it's at. But we have to talk about DeAndre Ayton, who's been babying 80, like, in the paint. And Drummond. Mostly and, Drummond, though. Drummond's and, been getting that work. But, I mean, <laughs> DeAndre Ayton has been, like, I never would have expected this from him because I figured he'd just be, you know, a come-and-go guy. For him to be dropping like the numbers he is, it's it's insane. So for the Suns, I think that's that that that's it. Like I do, I think they could have won the series. Do I think they could win the series if CP3 was like not a hundred percent? I mean, they would have pushed it to six max, but they weren't being the Lakers. But now that CP3 is like, he looks healthy. He looks healthy. Had a good game. Yeah. So. I think that's I think that's where that's at. Suns could definitely push this. I think the 2018 draft class is going to go down as one of the best of all time. It's pretty crazy that, you know, DeAndre Ian getting selected with the number one pick over Luka. And even Trey though Young. he got, yeah, and Trey, even though he got selected over those guys, it wasn't a bad pick. It wasn't. You look at you look at uh, the, the Mavs trade with the Hawks. Luka should have been a Hawk right now. You know they got Trey. That wasn't a bad trade because I mean you still got Trey. Yeah. And then MPJ going to Denver in that same draft. I mean that draft was absolutely loaded. But yeah, you know DeAndre Ayton has been huge. But I do think that they'll put in Marcus All more. You know I think that he when he's been in the game he's made a much more a bigger impact than Drummond because he's a much better defender and he has, he has better awareness on defense and he can stretch out the floor on offense because he can hit a three. And KCP, I think him missing game four was huge for them. I think he was um, Devin Booker's primary defender. So losing him, obviously, is huge. I know the Suns are great. I know they're a great team. If they were facing anybody but the Lakers, I would have had them going to the WCF and losing to the Lakers. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But personally, for me, I, I just don't see the Lakers losing. I don't think that LeBron is going to lose in the first round. If he does, so be it. I'm going to go out swinging, betting on LeBron. I don't care. I, don't, I just don't see LeBron losing. He's only been shooting 17 shots per game, averaging 21 points per game. I think he's going to start shooting 20 to 25 shots. You're going to start seeing him average 30 to 40 points now, now that AD is out. And Damn. I don't see the Suns winning game five. I think the Lakers take game five. 
and they take game six as well. And this that series, in this series, is done in six. Wow, tough, I don't see the bro. Suns winning another game. That's tough. You know, bro. AD's not playing the next game, right? I know he's not playing. Okay, so <laughs> I, I think that this series is gonna go seven because I think, I think, Phoenix takes the next game at home. It's got to, bro. It, Phoenix is. I to. think Phoenix takes the next game at home. Um, they said that Anthony Davis could have come back during the series, so I know for a fact if they if the Suns win the next game, he's coming back game six and game seven. So I think it's going to go to seven. I think if AD comes back six and seven, Lakers and seven, but I do think that the next game without AD being present and Chris Paul looking like he was good and, and DeAndre Ayton and Devin Booker and Macau Bridges and, and Cameron Payne and all, all these yeah. players that have been playing good, I think that this team is good enough to beat a team with just LeBron as the focal point in what you have to worry about. I think AD is what breaks it open, makes me pick the Lakers. But I think if AD doesn't play next game, I think the Suns take care of their business at home. And then obviously AD's definitely most he's definitely gonna be back for game six and game seven. And I think the Lakers win two straight. I think they take it in Phoenix. Bro, you straight up believe Phoenix got no shot. Yes. Some, I don't know. They have a shot, but I we're just gonna don't see. pick them winning. But I, from, I said Lakers in seven though. From what I've seen in this series, game one it went to Phoenix. Game two went to LA. Game three went to LA. Game four went to Phoenix. Whenever the Lakers' back is against the wall and everybody's doubting them, that's when they come out and they win. And that's why I see them winning game five. I will say this. They'll win game five, go up 3-2. If they don't close them out in six, I don't think AD will play that game. If they're up 3-2, he won't play game six. He won't. If they're if it's tied 3-3, he will play game seven. But if it's not, <laughs> if they close them down, if they close them out in game six, in, in six games, he will not return to the series. And I think he won't return to the series. And LeBron's going to show everybody again why he is what he is. I mean, I, I said Lakers. LeBron's my favorite player, so I'm never going to bet against them. So no, yeah, I say it, Lakers in seven. But he, here's my thing. I, w- I was looking at it and thinking about it like earlier in the season. When LeBron was like running that team without AD, he was playing great, but they weren't winning. And like, okay, maybe it's the playoffs now, so like he might be able to, you know, muster up like LeBron energy and whatnot, but... I don't know, man. See, it's going to go to seven, and I'll let seven, you know, decide that. I'm not going to pick, you know, who's going to win. I don't ever bet against game seven LeBron, though. I think I think he's earned that respect in his career where, you know, he's done it against the, uh, the Warriors, after, the Spurs, after he the did it Pacers, against the, Celtics. the Celtics. You don't bet against the best game seven player of all time. You don't do that. It, don't. That's, that's tough, though. <laughs> you don't do. It, you don't bet against tough. LeBron. We'll see, I mean, though. Crowder this series is shooting 18% from three and Booker shooting 26% from three. Yeah. So they have to be better. Testament to the Lakers defense, too. Yeah. If they're better, I mean, Crowder has been getting open looks, though. He hit that one in the corner when LeBron didn't get back on defense. So. <laughs> yeah. We'll I mean, see. we'll see. I mean, like I said, I think this 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 series has been good, no doubt about it. I think, very entertaining. You know, I think the Suns, either way they they win or lose, should be very happy about the season. Great season. I, if the Suns do win this series, though, I think they can really go to the finals. Oh no, yeah, bro, because they swept the Jazz in the regular season. So, and I think that's the only other competition they got. Clippers. I, still, you think I, they I still, can beat the Clippers? Oh yeah. I don't know. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oof, the Clippers is going definitely. to be a tough matchup. If the Clippers want the Lakers to lose, because if they lose, the Clippers are going to be like, oh, shoot, we got a yeah. shot at making it. I, the, I, I know, think the bro. Clippers could beat the Suns. Me too. I think no, no, no. The they they definitely nobody can. on the uh, Nobody in the Suns is better than Kawhi Leonard. No, nobody. no, that's valid. <laughs> but like, I'm also like thinking that. I still think PG is better than D Book. Whatever. I, I'd say they'd on, they're on the same playing field. Right It'd now. be a good series, I, though. I'd say, yeah, no, definitely. But they are. I could see seven. I can see seven in that series too. And if it does go to seven and the Suns come out, like bro, you came back from 
seven game series back to back. Well, no, it wouldn't be back to back. That'd be in the Eastern Conference Finals. Even right? if yeah, because I yeah. think they'll beat Denver or Portland. Yeah, in the second round, I don't, I'm not too worried about that. I'll say this: even if Phoenix does make the 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 finals and they lose, I will still see this helping out Chris Paul's legacy tremendously. You were the first player that was able to get LeBron out of the first round. Then you beat the Clippers, and then you beat probably the Jazz, who were the number one seed, best record in the entire league. So it'll definitely help him out. So we'll we'll see, we'll see. Yeah, that's true. It will help it out as well. We'll, we'll see because I, I just I feel bad for the Suns. You work hard all year, and then your first round matchup is the defending champs. But if you it's get crazy. past that, it don't matter no more. Then like, it's like then yeah. it's like oh, it's on. We can we yeah. can do something. We just beat the champs. So we'll see. Man, it's gonna be a hell of a series, man. I like I said, I have the Lakers in six. I I don't see them losing another game. But we'll see. We we could see something crazy. We could see LeBron go down finally. I don't want to see that though. You know, this could be the beginning. Every every great player has that ending. Oh, so we'll see if this is it for LeBron or <laughs> if he does it again and he proves everybody wrong again. It <laughs> seems like that's what's going to happen. I got LeBron though. Lakers in seven. We were talking a little bit about the Los Angeles Clippers, and right now they're facing the Mavericks and they were down 2 0, but then they are now tied. They came back from 2 0. And they lost two games in their own home court. They went to Dallas, beat them two games there, and now the series is tied 2-2. The Mavericks shot 50% from three in the first two games, and I think that was the biggest reason they were up 2-0. But I also think the Clippers, when you watch those games, Zubac played way too much. Beverly was playing way too much. And their communication on defense was just horrible with their rotations. You watch these last two games, it's a different Clippers team. They're now playing Rondo over Beverly way more. They're going small in game four. Ty Lue finally decided to go all in and start a fully small lineup with Jackson, Kawhi, PG, Morris, and Batum. And I think that small ball lineup has been killing the Mavericks because KP has not been good this series. He's not been able to take advantage of that small ball lineup whatsoever. And the Clippers, I think their sense of urgency, their intensity, and their communication on defense has just been way better along with Kawhi being Kawhi. I mean, he's, he's averaging 33 points per game, shooting 62.7% from the field and 47.6% from three. Kawhi has been what he's always been in the playoffs. And Luka is also injured. He had a neck injury. You could tell it was bothering him in game four. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm just not sure. Like now it, it really feels like the momentum is going to the Clippers and I could very well see this going to seven, but I could very well see this ending in six and the Clippers just winning the next two games. That. It's going to be tough. And I still look, I said it last week in the podcast, Luca is the best player in the world. And I still think he is. You know, I, I still think he is. I'll take him over anybody in the world. But I wow. think. Right now. Yes. But I think the Clipper, he's he's <laughs> injured. He's injured right now. And Yo, I'll say this. I think the Clippers adjustments, the Clippers adjustments are, is the reason why they haven't, they they uh they have been beating the Mavericks so far and they came back against them. I think they've really made the right adjustments. Tyron Lue showing everybody it wasn't just LeBron. You know, I could I could coach. So I think that's been I, I think that's been a huge uh huge reason why. Can I ask you a question? You've been watching this series. Do you really think Luca's better than Kawhi in this series? I do think he is. By how much would you say? Not much. Not much? Not much. Because I think the way Kawhi Leonard's playing is kind of going a little under the radar. You He's know, been playing great. Because, you know, you're saying Luka's the best player in the world, but I think Kawhi Leonard in this series has been every bit as good as him. And he hasn't it's, had one bad game yet either. It's very close. I agree. But I also think that Luka 
his playmaking prowess is just above and beyond Kawhi. And I and think, I think that Kawhi's defensive prowess is above and beyond Lucas as but well. But I'll be honest, yeah. I think game one and game two, Kawhi wasn't good on defense. He's turned it on now. Yeah, he's not guarding <laughs> Luka, though. He's not, because, you know, you have to conserve your energy. Luka, yeah. is, Luka dribbles the hell out of the ball, a lot of step backs, a lot of pick and rolls. It's tiring guarding somebody like that. But, I mean, I'm not going to knock your take saying Luka's the best in the world. I just think Kawhi Leonard has been every bit as good as dumb. Um, I think momentum is really big in basketball, and I think that the Clippers just went to Dallas and took two Dallas home games away from Dallas. So now home court is back towards the Clippers side. Yeah. They get a game back in Clipper in LA. They're feeling good. I agree with Joel. I think this is over in six. I think Luca's neck and on shoulder or arm injury is going to limit him. Um, and if he's limited, I don't. I I don't. I don't count on Kristaps Porzingis or Tim Hardaway or Maxi Kleber to step up in the place of Luka Doncic because <laughs> he's the one that makes it go for them. He sets them up. You know what I mean? So I agree with Joel. I think this series over in six. I think the Clippers are feeling good right now. They just said we were down in a 2-0 series. We just came to Dallas, took two games from them. Now we're going back to L.A. You got Paul George playing really well. You got Kawhi Leonard playing every bit as good as Luka Doncic, who he you know, he said he, he, he believes he's the best player in the world. And then you got people like Rajon Rondo, Reggie Jackson, Nicholas Batum, who fit the lineup, who fit the scheme better, contributing. And they have momentum on their side. I agree with Joel. I'm going to take the Clippers in six. I just think they had too much momentum and too much is clicking right now. And they dug them out, dug themselves out of a 2-0 hold, which is a very hard to do. No, yeah. It, like, you got to give them their credit for that because that's like that's hard as hell, especially against, I mean, you're calling them the best player in the world. That ain't easy. So I, I'll give them that credit for that. In terms of, like, the long term, I really don't know if it'll be that easy for either team i mean report came out today that uh luca's neck is already like significantly better like according to him so it's obviously not 100 percent. so i don't know how bad it's gonna affect them but i think this is another series that can go that will go into seven i think from now on each team is gonna defend like home court so la is gonna win five uh luca luca and uh, mavs are gonna win six Game seven, I'll give that to the Clippers just because they're more experienced. There's there's more experience. There's so much more like on the table for them, and so much more <laughs> yeah. at stake. Yeah, because bro, like I've been saying it. If LA loses this series, they got to blow everything up. Like they got to just like I don't know if they want to completely start new, but like maybe look, Kawhi might go. I mean PG might go. You might want to keep like uh, Zubak and uh, uh, and Jackson, but. I, I really I really don't know like what'll happen to the Clippers if they lose this series. I I firmly believe they just gotta like blow the whole thing up and see what you can fix. You know, for their sake, and I think for the sake of basketball history, I would really hate if that were to happen. Because I, I you know, I think just when we're talking about the history of basketball, two of the best, if not the the two best two way players in the NBA coming together and not being able to even get to a conference finals is going to be really just like, wow, how did that happen? Especially last year, I think they had the best roster in the league, and they, they couldn't get to the conference finals. They they blew a 3-1 lead versus Denver. They definitely had the, the deepest yeah. uh, roster last I'd, year. I'd, I'd still be down to see a Lakers versus Clippers. Yeah, and I think that, that's finals. what we've been waiting for. That We've been waiting I for that I definitely want to see that. I yeah. think... 
I th- you know, the Clippers have kind of gone under the radar this year because of last year, but I think them playing the Lakers, the ratings, everything would just be right back to normal. Everybody would be like, we finally got that L.A. <laughs> versus L.A. matchup that we've yeah. been dying for. We got robbed of last year. So, um, yeah, I, I think think if the Clippers win this series, I think they're going to take care of whoever they play in the second round, hopefully, and <laughs> they'll be in the Western Conference Finals, hopefully playing the Los Angeles Lakers because the way that the NBA and everybody amped up that L.A. versus L.A., uh, matchup for it not to happen. I, 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 we need it to happen this year. We need those two in the in the Western Conference Finals to battle it out. We yeah, I that. agree, and I want it to happen. We need most that. definitely. Let's not forget that the Clippers also have had like the one of the best three point shooting seasons, like as a team this season. Yeah. So that's like another aspect to talk about, and how it hasn't really shown up as much in the playoffs when you know you really should. So I, I like that. I, see, I've always been a big fan of PG. There was a point where he was my favorite player in the league. And he got injured, and he he's still not the PG of the past, but you know he's still you know a great playmaker, great defender, and a uh, great uh, three point shooter as well. So, I mean, yeah, I'd like that, but I really don't think because I always look back and think about Kawhi. Like, if there's gonna be someone who's gonna want to leave, it's gonna be Kawhi. Yeah, like mm-hmm. I think PG will be more inclined to. You PG know, wait is it locked out. through twenty twenty four. They, they, they yeah. signed him on purpose for this, just yeah, just he's in case. Locked in. Just in case this would happen. So, like, if if Kawhi Leonard's going down and the Clippers going down, Paul George, you coming down with us. Yeah. <laughs> That's basically what they're saying. I think they did that because now you know if Kawhi leaves, Paul George can get traded for something. Yeah, yeah, he will, and they, he can they can get, get some, some value back. Yeah, something, which I think would be huge for them. Smart move. But you know, as much as I love Luca and the Mavs. I, I, I just for the for the history sake of basketball, nice. I just I just think that the Clippers going down would be so disappointing. And I'll say this too, I think they you know the report came out that Luca's neck was fine or whatever or it's feeling better. Yeah. That was, or he says it's fine. Yeah, but you can't really go. I'll, with I'll, I'll be honest with you guys, if they are losing in Game Five, and it looks like they're about to lose, you're gonna see Luca holding up his neck, <laughs> acting like he's grimacing. And I'm not saying that he's lying about the pain, but I'm just saying Luca to this point has been a really has been a guy who's been has who complains to refs all the time. Yeah, he's I mean, always he's, looking for fouls. Yeah, he's the biggest complainer he's in the funny. league. Yeah. yeah, and I guarantee you, just for the optics of <laughs> the first round loss to look better, he's gonna look like he was, you know, the pain was unbearable. Yeah. So, you know, if he loses, it's like, okay, I was like severely injured. It, 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 it's just funny. He complains for a lot of fouls, but when he gets to the free throw line, he can't even make them. Yeah. <laughs> he's doing like 48% <laughs> from the free throw line. So, I mean. Yeah, yeah he can't make him at all. We'll, we'll, we'll see. I mean, I, like I it's said, like I got, I got, I got just like, yeah, pretty much. That's been LeBron's downfall. So, crazy free throw shooting. But uh, we'll see. I think Clippers win the next two. I think they win this series, whether it be in six or seven. I would want them to win the series just because I want an L.A. versus L.A. matchup down the road. Because I always think, like, except for game one, I really never expected. I don't think the Clippers should have lost both games in L.A. They should have robbed it. Uh, not even robbed. They should have taken at least one. one. I think it was game two. It'd be up 3-1 now if they did. That's why I think home court in this series doesn't matter. I'll be perfectly honest. Well, I'm not anymore. I mean, it's yeah. over now. Yeah. But, but I think it really <laughs> doesn't matter, down. you know, because one – I don't know how passionate Mavericks fans get personally. I really don't know. You know, somebody they got, they got a nice it. fan base, but I, I nah, know, I know for a fact Clippers fans don't get passionate. Oh, no, nah, I, I can just tell there's Steve Ballmer is the most yeah. passionate person in the building. Every time he's at the I game, I can tell there's no home court advantage with the Clippers there. It's all so. people who's just too late to the Laker train. <laughs> exactly. That's pretty much what it is. 
This the last topic we're going to talk about has nothing to do with the playoffs, but it has something to do with recent news in the NBA, and that's uh, surrounding Stan Van Gundy and the New, or- New Orleans Pelicans, New Orleans Pelicans, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. And there was a report that came out that said the players on the Pelicans roster are not vibing with Stan Van Gundy. And that brings up the question, after one year, do you think that the Pelicans should fire Stan Van Gundy? Should he go back to broadcast? And I thought he was a he was a pretty good broadcaster. Hell yeah, he was really so good. So should he, should should they fire Stan Van Gundy and say no, you're not the coach. We're going to find another one. And should they bring in a new coach? I'm going to go out and say that when you know that coaching hunt started, the first person I was looking for New Orleans to sign because you're looking at New Orleans. They have one of the best young rosters on teams. You just got Zion Williamson, who's you know he's hungry. He was injured for the majority of his rookie year. He's hungry. He wants to get better. You had that with most improved player, Brandon Ingram. Lonzo. Lonzo. And so many other great players. Give a guy who already has experience putting guys in that and give him Kenny Atkinson. I thought Kenny Atkinson was going to be the perfect Me fit too. for, for fit. Um, uh, New Orleans. That That's just straight up because you see what he did with D'Lo. D'Lo was struggling to find, you know, like that all-star kind of season. You give him uh, two years with Kenny Atkinson, and boom, he becomes an all-star. Same thing with Joe Harris, Karis LeVert, Jared Allen. He did it for all four of those guys, and look at what they're doing right now. If you, like, okay, I don't I don't know if firing Stan Van Gundy is, like, the answer. Maybe give him one more year, but uh, like you said, the, the players have already said themselves, and, you know, typically after players go out and say you yes. know, stuff like that out there, it's kind of raps already. Yeah. Like once the media gets a hold of it, it might be, a rap, but uh, Kenny Atkinson, I think he's with the Clippers right now. I'm not, I'm not too sure. He's an assistant. He's an assistant for the Clippers. Yeah, he is. Uh, bro, I think like <laughs> no, but yeah, I think Kenny Atkinson would be perfect. You develop, you help develop Zion. You can argue Brandon Ingram's already developed, but you can help them out too. And Lonzo, Lonzo is in desperate need of a Kenny Atkinson, if you ask me. So, yeah. What do you think? Or you want me to go? <laughs> I'll be honest, man. I think uh, I, I think it's I think it's over. Yeah, you know, it's I self-explanatory. Think, you know, I think they should fire Stan Van Gundy. But I'll be honest. I don't think he is the main problem in the, in the Pel- with the Pelicans. I think it's David Griffin. I think the he's GM. A, yeah, he's yeah. a he's his moves have made me question whether he knows basketball. And <laughs> the reason why is because you have Zion, who is basically a freight train can handle the ball, can get to the basket any time he wants, but who's also like a small ball five. Like if we're being honest, like you could yeah, put him in nah, that small yeah. ball five role and he would thrive and you go out and you trade for Steven Adams yeah, and you, ex- no you extend Steven Adams as well. You go out and get Eric Bledsoe. You tra- <laughs> like Bledsoe. I, I understand they give you a, a haul of picks, but I think the dumbest decision the Pelicans made wasn't trading for Bledsoe. Because if you remember, the original trade was George Hill and Bledsoe. And they kept Bledsoe instead of the 40% three-point shooter in George Hill who can defend as well. Yeah. So you kept you kept the worst fit of the two by keeping Bledsoe. We know now that Bledsoe honestly is not a player that has any trade value at, of significance at least. You're not going to get anything from him. And if you want to get Steven Adams, okay, that's fine. But at least... Don't extend the guy because he doesn't fit the modern NBA. You know, I I play 2K a lot to, you know, tinker with lineups and try to see what's the best fit for players. If if it was me, 
I would do whatever it takes to get a Miles Turner, to get that to get a sm- to get a yeah. stretch five and who could play defense as well next to Zion. Then you have Brendan Ingram. They could have kept George Hill, had him instead of Bledsoe who could space out the floor. Lonzo has been good at that too. So I'd go with this. So I'd have a lineup of Lonzo, Williamson, Ingram, Miles Turner, and that two spot is questionable, but it could be Josh Hart or anybody else. That yeah. that two spot, you just need a knockdown shooter. That's really what you need right there, or a lot, or like a three and D guy, like a Danny Green would be perfect there. All right. Yeah. I mean, I I agree. Um, it, it it sucks that he's only had one year. It's been a lot of up and downs, but. If I'm not mistaken, I think the Pelicans blew the most fourth quarter lead leads in in the NBA, right? Or they were at least up there. I saw a stat the other day that they blew a lot of leads, and that comes down on coaching, whether you know you like it or not. And on top of the fact that the players aren't really in tune with their head coach, that to me it, it's going to lead to more drama down the line. So I think it's just best if they part ways. Um, I don't know who would be able to replace them. I don't know what coaches are going to be available, but um. Stan Van Gundy's not a bad coach, though. I I do think it's more so of the players not gelling with him yeah. and following his system rather than him just getting outclassed and outcoached every time. Because if we clearly remember back in 09, he was the head coach that took the Orlando Magic yeah. to the playoffs. But I'll be honest. I it was, think that, it, it I think was that a different team. team. I think it, that team was like perfectly constructed. Yeah. Jameer. Uh, knockdown, shoot, knockdown shooters. Surrounded mm-hmm. by a dominant defensive center, the game yeah. was different Rashard during that time. Rashard Lewis, Michael Petrie, yeah. So correct. I mean, Courtney Lee, yeah, it was a good team. That, bro, was a, said, that was a good team, bro. You said Hito Turkoglu, I was like, yo, well, Turkoglu had a good year <laughs> nah, that year with them. That, that whole tough. team, yeah, Jameer Turkoglu Nelson, Rashard Lewis made the All Star team. You had Dwight yeah, Howard, uh-huh. Defensive Player of the Year, yeah. top three in MVP race. So I mean, I'm just gonna go more so just off the fact that that report is like the players aren't gelling with their head coach, and we know if there's if there's a problem between players and head coaches, if the team does bad, it always falls on the head coach. And if I'm David Griffin, you've made enough mistakes to not make another one and 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 get a coach that doesn't vibe with your younger players, because then that's not only gonna, that's just only going to drive them away. They're going to want to leave. They're going to want to get traded. So I think it's just I think just off that report, I think you got to fire the guy. I think you got to move on just because you don't want any lingering problems. Yeah. More so down the road. And that's like, just going to mess up the development and then either jeopardize Zion Williamson, Brandon Ingram, any one of those young building blocks to go. And and if it doesn't get fixed later on, like people are going to be looking back at that, like oh, last yeah. season players were saying they didn't like him, and they should have listened to the players. Yeah, yeah I mean, we all as know long coach as, goes first before yeah. players. As long as this roster stays intact and they don't make any moves, they'll disappoint next year as well. Yeah, and they, then Stan Van Gundy, if anything, he's not going to get fired this year. He's going to get fired next, next year. year so. Yeah, and then you know where where do the Pelicans go from there? It's all about trading Zion to the Knicks at that point, and letting <laughs> the Knicks get Zion, <laughs> so we have a superstar player. Finally, <laughs> better than Randall. Yeah, exactly. he said, yeah. no doubt. So <laughs> no doubt. <laughs> that, that's what I think probably would happen. But I think David Griffin has to be better. You know, you have to surround Zion with players that fit three and D shooters, shooters, yeah, for sure. space out the floor because Zion is going to get to the basket every single time. Okay, so you really, you really just need to surround him with shooters and basically give him that LeBron treatment. You know, give, give him a, a J.R. Smith. Give him, give him a Kevin Love. Or even in Cleveland days, give him a Mo Williams, a Daniel Bobby Gibson, Booby or Gibson. Even, or even what, with Giannis, right? Give him shooters with Giannis. Yeah, give yeah, him even, Drew Holiday, yeah. Brent Forbes, Portis, Brooke Lopez, Middleton. Middleton. Yeah. You know, give him these guys. I think Zion is the same exact way. He's in that Come mold. Come from that same cloth, yeah. 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 You need to surround a team exactly how they have surrounded their teams. And I think trading for Bledsoe 
trading for Adams was the first move to me. Well, two moves to me Mistake. that told me this guy doesn't know what he's doing. This guy doesn't know what he has in Zion. Like he just yeah. he really doesn't know what he has. And surprisingly, even with the shrink floor, Zion is still Everything the best finisher yeah. in the league. Uh huh. Twenty seven nine and four, I think. Yeah. So imagine with the space floor. I mean, he would totally rule and dominate the league. Yeah. It's ridiculous how they're treating him right now. So, you know, hopefully they, they figure it. it out soon. So that's going to do it for this episode of the Pick Aside Podcast. This was episode 88. I had Ronnie Castaneda and John Carlos join me. And as always, if you guys want to follow us on Instagram or TikTok, you can follow us at Pick Aside Podcast on Twitter. It's at Pick Aside Pod. And if you guys want to rate and review our podcast on Apple Podcasts, you can do that. Give us a five-star rating and write a review if you're feeling generous. Mm-hmm. Generous. And we are partnered with manscaped right now so if you guys want you guys can head over to manscaped.com worth it. it's definitely worth it use our promo code pick aside at checkout for 20 percent off and free worldwide shipping with our code so thank you guys for listening thank you guys for supporting and we'll see you next time hey this is elliot smith from the arsenal vision podcast in case you didn't know the show you're listening to right now as well as my show is part of the blue wire podcast network Blue Wire was founded in 2018 on the concept that independent podcasts would be more successful if they worked together. Today, Blue Wire has grown to feature 300 shows led by former athletes, media professionals, and passionate fans. Over the past few years, Blue Wire has privately raised over $10 million to expand their team, podcast network, and business operations. Now they're raising another round on the platform WeFunder. WeFunder is a crowdsourcing service that connects startups with investors. It's a cool platform that gives everyone the opportunity to be part of a growing startup. You can invest as little as $100. And in other words, that means you don't have to be a millionaire to invest in a cool company on WeFunder. BlueWire is raising money to expand their team, improve operations, and that will in turn help this show continue to grow. If you'd like to be a part of the BlueWire investment round or want to find out more information, go to wefunder.com slash BlueWire.